This week on the 10 Podcast, Being a Lighthouse with Kyle and Nick of the Hero Now Podcast. You see pure evil on a daily basis. You can't even talk about it. You can't trust the people you trust with your life to talk about your feelings. You know, there's a big push for humanize the badge. What we both experience is they dehumanize it. Just because I'm your, I'm, I'm a supervisor on scene doesn't mean I know more than you. I'll beat your fucking ass right in this office. Don't treat me like I'm a piece of shit just because you just met me. That ain't gonna fly. You forget about more shit than you remember. That, that mindset has got to go in law enforcement. But at the end of the day, we're not here about your feelings. We're here about fucking enforcing the law. The views and opinions expressed on the 108 podcast are those of the authors and guests individually. The 108 podcast is for entertainment purposes only and is not affiliated with any entity, agency, or department. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Welcome to the latest installment of the 108 Podcast. This is episode 308, Be a Lighthouse, with Nick and Kyle of Heroed Out. This episode is chock full of stuff. This is quite the spicy episode. In this episode, we cover quite a bit, so let's not waste any time, and let's go ahead and shout out our sponsors. Listen, it's no surprise to anyone that law enforcement agencies suck at getting the word out to their citizens they serve. Whether it's debriefing a critical incident or educating the public about various aspects of law enforcement, it takes a special skill set that too many in law enforcement don't have. In this ever-changing world of social media, do you, your agency, and your community a favor and check out TOC Public Relations, a company ran by former law enforcement to help you get your message out in an appropriate and professional way. Check them out on social media as well as TOCPublicRelations.com. Let me tell you something you already know. Living a life in public service is a life of sacrifice. But you cannot serve the community or back your partner up if you're not physically able to do so. According to a report by the Wall Street Journal, more than 40% of law enforcement officers are obese. Other studies have found that police officers are 25% more likely to die from weight-related disorders like cardiovascular disease, high blood pressure, diabetes, and even some cancers. Why continue to be a liability to your partners, your loved ones, your community, and yourself? Contact the folks at fit.responders and get your fight back. This episode is also brought to you by my new friends over at RTI Training, giving you the type of training that incorporates humor and knowledge that cops respond to. Listen, we all know that you will never retain anything thanks to death by PowerPoint. So do yourself a favor and check out the new kids on the block when it comes to police training. They are revelationstraining.com. And guys, I also want to tell you about our sponsor, Jiu-Jitsu 5.0. They just came out with the Jiu-Jitsu 5.0 app. It is the ultimate training tool for all law enforcement. Members of the app get on-demand access to a huge library of techniques for the streets, grappling-based workouts, yoga, and a monthly nutrition plan. They also have 24-hour, 7-day-a-week access to Jason, the founder of Jiu-Jitsu 5.0, for personalized training assistance. So... Go to the app store of your choosing and download the Jiu-Jitsu 5.0 app today. It's available for Android as well as Apple, so get on it now. And last but not least, this episode is brought to you by Thin Vine Wines. Thin Vine Wines is a mission-driven wine company that proudly backs first responders and the military. With a background in law enforcement, their support for police, dispatch, fire, and the military is unwavering. Thin Vine Wines donates $2 from every bottle sold to law enforcement and military-driven nonprofits. Making awesome wine is the vehicle. Making wine with a purpose is the mission. 
Check out their social medias at Thin Vine Wines on Instagram and Facebook and order online at thinvine.wine using the code 10-8-T-E-N, the number 8, for $10 off two or more bottles of wine. So today's episode covers a lot of ground. This conversation focuses on the negative coping mechanisms that we in law enforcement adopt. Whether it be women, gambling, alcohol, tobacco, it really doesn't matter. We fall into these issues because they are easy to get your hands onto and they're legal. It's important to find healthy coping mechanisms, be it working out, hunting, podcasting, music. There are options out there because those negative coping mechanisms are you searching for that dopamine to relax the beast inside you. The evil demons that we encounter on the street and the evil self-serving monsters inside the walls of the police department will eat us alive. We need to do two things. By we, I mean the collective law enforcement brother and sisterhood. We need to facilitate healthy relationships inside of the police department. You don't have to be best friends with everyone. You don't even have to like everyone. But you can respect each other as human beings to not be a piece of shit to each other. And I don't want to hear the, but what about that guy? He No, stop. Be the bigger person. People are going to do what they are going to do. You can't change that. But you can change your own damn attitude, and maybe that'll force them to change theirs. You know, the page Surviving Policing posted something last week, and he said that some cops don't even say hello when you pass them in the hallway, but you all think that you're a family. And I'm telling you what, be a bigger person. If someone doesn't say hello to you in the hallway, you say hello to them too. You ask them how they are. You ask them how their kids are. Because you know what? You don't know what that person's dealing with, whether it be at work or at home. So again, be the bigger person. Secondly, and this goes with that last point, take care of yourself first. You cannot pour from an empty cup. How often have I said this? If you are not good, you cannot help others. And I mean, we can try, but it's only going to work for so long. So Take care of yourself first. Get your ass to some kind of talk healing, whether it be a therapist, a chaplain, a friend. It doesn't matter. Someone that you can confidently and confidentially talk to. Secondly, get your ass to some kind of physical exertion. Join a gym, a dojo, go for walks, ride a bike. It really doesn't matter. Just go ahead and get yourself out there. These things are the base for resiliency. Now, in this episode, we also talk about my two friends, Jason and Pat. I've talked about them quite a bit in other podcasts, not necessarily mine. I'm not entirely sure why I haven't, um, partially because I wanted to get some attention to the other podcasts that I've been on, and partially because I guess I haven't been comfortable talking about it in my show. That being said, this is probably the biggest dive that I've taken about this topic on my show. I know we've talked about it here and there, but um, yes, so... We also talk about the overall toxicity in law enforcement, and honestly, that seems to be an overarching theme recently. Last week, I shared a meme, and when I made it, I knew it was going to be a hit. It was a screenshot of a Twitter post that I made, and it said, Don't tease kids for believing in Santa Claus. There are grown police officers that truly believe their admin cares about them. It was one of my most popular posts ever. Over 4,000 likes and 6,000 shares, reaching over 50,000 accounts. If I'm an administrator and I hear that, I need to take a good, hard look at my organization. Two weeks ago, we had Kat and we had Laura on, and we talked about just those things. I also shared a clip of Simon Sinek talking about feeling safe with your leadership in your organization. There's a common theme here. I understand that at certain points, admin does not care about working the road. They are more focused on maintaining the business integrity of the organization than fighting bad guys. 
And to my folks pushing squad cars, I'm here to tell you, that's okay. Someone needs to balance the budgets and buy uniforms. It's okay. We need those administrators. But to those of you in that ivory tower, you better get your shit together and check on the well-being of your people too. In a small agency, it is not a strange request for a chief, a deputy chief, or captain to know every single employee by first name, know what their significant other does, and what their kids enjoy doing. Just popping your head in once in a while to say hi is not enough. And if you work in one of these gigantic agencies, Los Angeles or NYPD or Chicago or whatever, then scale it accordingly, but it's not a crazy question. These people are not numbers in your spreadsheet. They are people in the world. Treat them accordingly. There's a term in psychology called meaning mission fit. Clinically, it is the synchronization of our sense of meaning in life with the mission of the organization where you work. This fit between meaning and mission occurs when people can engage in strengths expression, receive organizational support, and experience cause alignment. When all of these factors are present, people tend to be extraordinarily happy and feel satisfied with their work. And if I'm a boss, that's what I want at any given moment. Keep that in your mind. I hate to break it to you folks, this is not rocket science. It's not. But at the end of the day, you can show people where to go, but you can't make them go where they need to go. They need to get there themselves. You need to be a lighthouse. Ladies and gentlemen, here is Kyle and Nick of the Heroed Out Podcast here on the 108 Podcast. You set me up as a villain, but you never mentioned the root of the problem. Took what you wanted and flipped it, but you won't be dragging my name to the bottom. So much unsaid left me for dead. I won't forget. Well, everyone's listening, and they know the difference. You're not failing our senses. If you're throwing me to the lions You should know I'm not scared of dying I wouldn't take back one thing I did One word I said But I'm gonna make you wish you're dead He likes to do that <laughs> 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 anyway, so for, for anyone listening to kind of piggyback off the intro, we got the dudes from the Heroed Out podcast. Uh, we got Kyle, we got Nick, or whatever you want to call them. What's going on, guys? How are you? Good. How you doing, brother? Good. Good. So uh, we're gonna we're gonna talk about a whole bunch of different things here, but before we dive too far into it, um, just let you guys introduce yourself, who you are, what you do, where you're from, all that shit. Um, we'll start with Kyle, and then we'll Fuck. go to Nate. <laughs> to Fuck you. That's what happens. So, uh, brief synopsis. Uh, from Central Florida, and spent 15 years in law enforcement. Um, various roles. It included SWAT, training, administration. I know you're going to make some memes about me. It's cool. Um, I'll make memes about me, too. And, uh, yeah, man, that's pretty much it. I mean, like you, been through shit and seen shit and... Here we are. Now we're doing the podcast thing. So, yeah, that's it. So, uh, I'm Nick. I've uh, spent about 17 years of public service, a little less than six of those at the fire department, and then another 
dozen or, or 10 years or so was at uh, law enforcement. Same thing, uh, working my way up through the ranks, different roles, but most of mine um, were specialized units, uh, investigations, uh, CID, child exploitation, narcotics, supervisor of our child exploitation unit. Just you name it, we've been there, been seen it, you know, so... Um, after Kyle and I both left law enforcement, I told him one day, I was like, Hey man, you know, I always thought about starting a podcast just to talk about the shit that you can't say when you're at work, because if you do, you know, get fired or you get disciplined or, you know, you get blackballed from getting any assignment or whatnot. So that's kind of how we, we ended up where we are now. And we've actually had tremendous success. And I know Kyle's gave you know, such great praise and laurels to you for all the help that you provided him. And I think just recently we hit over a million views on our, our YouTube channel. And I think, um, a lot of that was, you know, not just uh, from, you know, all the effort Kyle puts in, but for, you know, you reaching out and kind of, you know, helping them along the way. But thank you very much for being here today. Yeah, man. Thank you very much. That's awesome for you guys. Uh, you're right. By being in law enforcement, you are definitely silenced a lot about your opinions on things. And I think that kind of leads to things we'll talk about in a little bit. You know, you can't get off your chest what you want. And the way you end up doing it is usually in not good ways. Mm -hmm. And we were talking about this earlier today. I think it was today or yesterday. Like when you have no master, when you're a free elf, when, you know, someone gives you that sock and you're a free elf, um, it's so much more relaxing and I still work for an agency, but by not being in the gun belt, I feel so much more free and just relaxed to live life like a, like a human. Because you are for one, um, you know, and yeah, there are definitely strangleholds and, you know, things like that, that come along with being there and, and voicing that. And I think that's part of the frustration, especially with, with seeing so many, you see evil, right? Like you see pure evil on a daily basis and you can't even talk about it really and have an outlet or express your opinion. I think that is, it's obviously detrimental. You no, know? I think the worst part of it is if you have an issue with something, something's bothering you, you can't trust the people you trust with your life to talk about your feelings. How, how degrading yeah. is that? Then when you have something that bothers you, you know, whether it's a pediatric death or a traffic homicide or a, a murder, or even just a, you know, just a, a regular call for service, like, man, that was kind of fucked up. You can't tell somebody, Hey, that's bothering you without feeling, you know, ostracized, ridiculed, blackball. People are going to fucking make fun of you. They're going to turn you into for having, you know, for being a person. I think that's what's taken away from a lot of, first responders, the fact that these are people just doing a job. And I think that's part of society's problem. And I'm not a big proponent of, and you, you'll, the more you, you get to know me, the more you realize that I'm not a huge fan of we're all heroes. Like you, you, you do these amazing mm -hmm, things. Mm -hmm. It's your fucking job, dude. You know what I mean? You right. know who's a hero? The guy who does what I do, but doesn't get paid for it. The guy who engages the armed robber, who's a general citizen, the person who sees somebody get carjacked and wrestle that guy out of grandma's car. To but me, the that's guy a in, um, in the panhandle, the Chick-fil-A employee. Right. Exactly. Yeah. hundred percent. That's what I mean, man. Like He's that fucking guy. Cop. Watch. God what, damn it. You know what I mean? Like that guy, that guy did, you know what I mean? That's, that's heroic. That's somebody, anybody else. That's what you're trained to do. They equip you to do it. You're mentally and emotionally prepared to do it, but we don't prepare ourselves to deal with the actual, job and dealing with the calls, which is terrible. I think that's where the biggest shortfall of, of law enforcement currently. Right. And I think the problem is, is that the culture that is bred to law enforcement from the beginning, from the academy is toxic. No, it is. My dick is bigger than yours, you know? Absolutely. And the moment you say something out of line and by out of line, I literally mean like saying, Hey, that's fucked up. Mm -hmm. You're, you're ostracized from day one. Oh yeah. From day one. 
And how many times, I mean, you guys, I think, had more, you, you, I know you did, you guys had more years on than I did, and especially more supervisory roles, but that culture of first day on the job, don't talk to anybody, you're the new guy, fucking stand at attention at the door, you know, stand with your face away from everybody in briefing, like, shit like that, whereas... I will say I've had one or two field training officers who said, fuck that system, sit down, you're with us, you got my back as much as I got yours. But the culture itself does not lend for that kind of behavior. So no. what what are we taught in the very beginning? Like, all right, so it really is just me out there. Yes. there. So it's weird. I've never thought about this until you just said this. Um, but it's very weird that, you know, there's a big push for humanize the badge and – what we both experience, all of us, is internally they dehumanize it, like off the get go. No, and I think that's what they want you to do. You know, you can't be, you can't cry if you're sad. Like if you go somewhere, if you've ever been to a, a death of someone, and I'm talking you know, somebody in the family's hurting, and you are sympathizing or empathizing with them, and you show emotion, it's, so you feel bad, so you want to hug the person. Hey, I'm so sorry you lost your daughter, your son, your wife, your husband. Even if she's 90 years old, man, that's somebody had been with her her whole entire life. It, it, it's, it's amazing to me. I think the worst part about it, we're our own worst enemy. Mm -hmm. We will be the first person to pick on somebody or to ostracize them. And I've never been a mentality of, you know, sit back, shut up and do you know, as you're told. You know, we had we touched on this in a previous episode that we put out. There's a time and a place for your opinion, but it's incumbent on the people that have been there a couple of years to introduce that guy, to bring him into the conversation, because that guy could be saving your life that night. It could be that day that that individual is going to be the one that literally is the difference between you going home to your wife and kids or, you know, or going to the fucking morgue. Yeah. And I had a, I had a guest on last year at some point and he was talking about, he's a captain up in New Jersey and he was talking about leaning on people who have experiences outside of the job, right? Like, I don't know what you guys did before you went 10-8, but everybody has some kind of experience. Somebody may have been a plumber. Someone may have been a student. Someone may have had, you know, um, sexual crimes against them as a juvenile, whatever, you know? And then if you don't talk about, if you don't really get to know your people, when shit comes up like that, like, let's say you have, we had this uh, issue when I was with my old agency. It was... Um, New Year's Eve, someone got stabbed at a nightclub. Someone went crazy, got stabbed. And she was a concert pianist, severed the tendons in her fingers, right? Ooh, that's not good. And, yeah, could never play piano again. Now, let's just imagine. This didn't happen, but let's just imagine, right? She is in the jurisdiction. She calls maybe less than a... After she's done with surgery, find out she can't play piano again. And now she's suicidal. Everything she's ever put her life into, she can't do anymore. Well, what if you have somebody on your squad with some similar experience, right? If you don't get to know your people, you'll never have someone that can break bread with that person and maybe save the whole situation. And that's where getting to know your people is so important. No, it truly is. So I was, uh, it's funny you, you say that. So I was a road supervisor and we had a call for a, a suicidal subject. And this was a, a younger person. They were under 18. And um, one of the guys training at the time was a prior school teacher. And I knew that his expertise in teaching in school was dealing with uh, mentally and the EMD and mental, emotional and mentally disturbed students. So I'm like, what fucking better person? He's in, he's an FTO as a trainee. I said, boss, you're hanging with me. Mm -hmm. Like, if this is what you did for years. You went and got a college degree. 
just because I'm your fucking, I'm, I'm the supervisor on scene doesn't mean I know more than you. You know, you, I have to lend some credence to your experience. And thankfully, you know, everything was resolved safely. And um, at the end of the day, you know, this guy or this kid went, you know, was able to be taken into, you know, into custody and, and got the help he needed. But if it wasn't for that uh, communication with mm-hmm. a trainee. He, I think he was first phase training like that. You know, he was very, very new. But at the same time, I put that faith in his abilities. From my experience, that's not very common. And, you know, Charlie, what you kind of alluded to, um, at least when I came through, like as a trainee uh, or even solid trainees after I came through was like there was that almost hazing point, right? Mm-hmm. Where yep. it's like, hey, you can't sit at our table. You're in training. Yeah, fuck you, dude. Like, dude, but we saw that so many times. Like, they would be like, yeah, you go sit yeah. out in the damn car in the parking lot and eat there while we sit in Perkins at 2 o'clock in the morning. Yeah, yep. no. See, see my, very, fucked up my very first trainer said to me, she's like, you know, I don't, I don't eat with trainees. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay. You know, and I, I've worked several jobs up to that point, and I was like, that's... That doesn't make any You're sense. Like, what did okay. I do? Damn it! Fuck. Right, right. Literally, just because I'm the new guy, fuck me. Right. But eventually, because who I am, I'm personable, I'm friendly, whatever. Mm-hmm. She broke down that wall, and guess what? We became close. Like we we got we were cool, you know. After that, and to the point, like that was my mentality. I was told throughout training, like I was too friendly with people. I was like, "Are you kidding me?" I was like, "Is that that's a thing?" That's like, an insecurity issue on their part. Yeah, right? yeah. I was like, so you know. I never understood that. And even when I went from one agency to the second agency and I, I, and I said this earlier in a, in a previous episode this season, but I said like when I made my switch from my one agency, middle sized city to a small suburban, you know, light crime area, I I literally felt like LeBron going to Miami. Like, Oh man, this is going to be great. They're all going to welcome me with open arms, city cop, whatever. And they were dicks. And I was like, I was like, no, no, like, like with, hey, you were ten eight on the road or different position. No, I was, um, I w- I was going on the road, but I was in training. Mm-hmm. But you would, if I would have at least like thought they'd be like, spot, hey, though, right? Was that a sworn spot? It was sworn, yeah. Okay. And I was expecting, I was expecting them to lean on my previous experience, right? Six mm-hmm. years on the road, a couple specialized units, seen some shit. I figured they would have been like, listen, I know this is a little bit different, a slower pace than you're used to. Here's how we do it here. And they would have just kind of like not went through the motions, but were a little nicer. Not kid gloves with you. Right, like, right. You know. And instead they treated me like a day one. And I was so pissed at that. I was like, man, that's an insult. And, 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 like, and touching back on what you talked about with the, your first trainer, how she he would tell you who to eat with you. Fuck her for even bringing that up. Like that is so dis- – like how would you do that to a fucking human? Let's just take the fact out that you are in this job. You're in law enforcement. If you were a fucking plumber and that happened – You'd be picking up your fucking teeth. You know what I mean? Like that, like you don't talk yep. to people like, dude, I told people this all the fucking time. And um, I used to work for a Daytona Beach fire and there was a lieutenant there that I didn't get along with. I only been there a couple weeks and he was, him. what's up? You can name him. Oh, Jason Hill. He's a there fucking prick. So um, him and I were having it out one day and I fucking looked at him straight across the desk, bigger and shit. I said, listen, man, I was a grown ass man before I was a fireman. I'll beat mm-hmm. your fucking ass right mm-hmm. in this office. You've been here 10 years. I've been here 10 fucking weeks. Who has more to lose? Don't treat me like I'm a fucking like I'm a piece of shit just because you just met me. That ain't gonna fly. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like that's fucking that ain't right. Me, buddy. No, you better fucking straighten your ass out. Yeah, I don't care, you know what rank you are or whatever. But yeah, in those public service jobs, you are 
you know, restrained by that master, so to speak, and probably more so obviously sworn because there's more, I think, attention brought to it. Like, okay, cool. Hey, secretary at X, Y, and Z police department. Like that doesn't really make, but here's the thing. And I get into this, this, this discussion a lot and I don't mean to cut you off, but here's the thing, right? If you are my boss, if you're my sergeant, you're my lieutenant or up, right? I'm going to respect you just surely on your position, right? That's not going to undermine your position, right? No, you I are, can respect the rank, but I don't have to respect the person. Exactly, in the rank. exactly. And I feel like too many people marry the two. No, fuck that, that guy. It, right, and I can't stand they, that. There is not necessarily a correlation. No. And like, here's the deal. Look, I'm the new guy. I get out gas the truck. I'm the new guy. I do the dishes at the right. fire department. You're the new guy. You, you run the reports to records. All right, cool. That's the bitch work nobody else wants to do. I get but it. To be treated like shit. But yeah, yeah. treated like I'm not fucking right. human or right. like I'm not part of the. When you get your ass beat tonight, guess who you want? To anybody. You would pray for anybody to be right. there. To, literally any fucking human being with a gun. You don't give a fuck who it is that's going to help you. You're going to treat me like shit five minutes before? That don't fly for me, man. That, that, that mindset has got to go in law enforcement. You have yeah. to start treating people with some respect. And that's your day one. So right. now start compounding that treatment, you know, throughout. And what happens then? You become the FTO and either you're going to bring that down on your new trainee or you're going to be like, all right, I'm not going to treat my trainee like that. But then you're going to get ostracized by other FTOs. Be like, hey, why are you being so soft on yeah, the trainees? That, that creates the culture, right? That creates the environment that it's okay. And we're repeating the same shit over and over again. And then you hear the same thing like, why are we doing things this way? Because we've always done it this way. Mm-hmm. Like I, that is the biggest cop out excuse no, for everything. It, no, by no means am I condoning that just because you walk in the door, you should have a voice. I'm not sure. saying that. Right. So I think I may have said this before. And if not, I apologize. So in one of our shows we were talking about, I'll keep it real brief. I had a brand new first day. She gets assigned to my shift and we're going over something in policy. And she interrupts the briefing to tell me I am wrong. I'm reading policy wrong and that's not what statute says. So I abruptly tell her you can wait in the parking lot when briefing's done. I'll come get you until then you're going to be out of service until I can get you. So I left her out there for about an hour and a half briefing had been done for about an hour. I said, let's make this crystal fucking clear. Unless it's yes, sir. No, sir. Gun. I don't want to hear a fucking word out of you. That was the most rude and disrespectful thing you could have done. You've really painted yourself in a light where you're showing no respect, not only for the rest of people here, but me. And as if I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah, I want you to understand that. That's not, I don't think that that's, and some people would look at that and think that that's a, you know, that was a personal type of thing. Like, hey, you disrespect me? No, no, no. Hold on, time out. You disrespected everybody. And not only that, you took away that. You know, there is morale that you have with your other people. Mm-hmm. Oh, for right? sure. And if they interrupt that, that's kind of like breaking the signal. You know, and yeah. that is how toxicity is is born and bred. But the, the nice part right. about it was once we had that very heart to heart, it was over. Mm-hmm. You know, hey, look, we're done. Go 10-8. If you need something, call me. I'm not mad. I'm not upset. I just want you to know where the line is. You crossed it. We're good. You know what I mean? Let's circle back here. Yeah, oh. and, and from then on, we were great. She became a great deputy. She's doing great things. I just think she needed to just needed that real quick snap. But right, it exactly. And that's, it wasn't I feel like time. that's an age thing. That's a generational mm-hmm. thing. Was, she was very right. young. Very, I don't yeah. think she might have been 21, 22. Right. So I... I feel like people listening, I know I have a lot of younger officers or aspiring officers that listen to this show and they go, you know, so I want to kind of clarify. 
I'm all about respecting people as person, right? But you also have to respect the institution as well. And by the institution, you know, seniority, there's a reason that people are senior. So it's, it's, it's definitely a fine line. And I think that's where people can get confused. Um, when you're talking about like, listen, we respect you as people. I'm not going to, it kind of goes with that whole praise in public, uh, discipline in private kind of mm-hmm. thing. You know, like you, you sent her to the side and you were like, listen, we'll talk about it in a minute. And then you handled it as opposed to, you know, in laying in. You know, exactly. Why? Cause then nobody's going to look at that person no. with any sort of dignity or respect again. Like five years down the road, that's still going to be that deputy. Yeah. That, that spoke becomes your briefing. reputation. That becomes exactly. your identity. No, you know? And it was important for me to not have that. Like I said, I, yeah. everybody makes mistakes. Everybody is, is human. And I understand that I'm a very open and friendly person. People feel like we can do this, but the one time I got in my guy's ass from the day I started, you know, I got promoted. When we're at briefing, this is business. Mm-hmm. This is a fucking meet. We can be friends, but we don't have to be. Right. You understand? Like, we can be friends, but we don't have to be right now. We're fucking talking business. This is what the captain wants done. This is the problems in the district. Here's the fucking crime trends we're seeing. Here's the issues we need to address. Get to work. The rest of your 11 hours and 45 minutes, you can do whatever the fuck you want. Right now is my time. You're going to pay attention to me. And That's it. what you said earlier, when you liked it to like a business atmosphere, right? Mm-hmm. Like they have their board meetings, they have their staff meetings, whatever. And that is business. And you, nobody talks except for the manager on the floor. Right. But then the moment you break and you go back to your cubicle or whatever it might be, whatever the setup is, it's business as normal. Like we'll talk, blah, blah, blah. And that's so important to, I really like the way you kind of context that and said like, you know, if we, if you're going to be the new guy in the office building, we're not going to, we're not going to treat you like shit. Same thing, but business has to be handled. Like at the end of the day, law enforcement is the mission, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, we're going to handle that first. And if you're the new guy, assume you don't know anything and talk to whoever your immediate superior is, whether it's a trainer or whatever, and get the lay of the land and then go from there. So like in that scenario that you were talking about in that situation, the appropriate response would have been like jot down the notebook and pulled you aside afterwards. Like, Hey, I thought the policy said this. And then it would have been a teaching moment in a different way and probably a more positive. Yeah, it it was, it was definitely approached in more of, no, that's not right. This is what policy says. And I'm like, a little bit stronger than passive. Yeah. Yeah. Time the fuck out because I'm glad you read one policy, but there's I can give you a, a dozen that conflict with the other. But if you look up case law and you look up state statute and you look up all this other information that shows you why we're going to do it this way. A lot of that, I think, Nick, what you just explained was tact and how that was mm-hmm. um, brought up to you. Mm-hmm. Because there could be some clarifying questions, obviously, like, hey, this is how I interpret this way. Like, even in front of the group, perfectly okay. Yeah. You know? but it, But for it to be more than passive aggressive and kind of like a shot in the nose. Yeah. You're going to feel some repercussions. Yeah. And my, I, I like in it. Listen, man, I, I talk about all the time with my wife. Um, sometimes there needs to be some clarity with things that are going on. With my wife, sure. like I may think, sorry, I may think things are one way I need to clarify. Like it's different. Say what happened? There's a, Hey baby, what happened? The tone, the inflection, the, the, the how you say it, the everything mm-hmm, about sure. it is a different. It's the exact same sentence, just in a different manner. That's just like and when that, you say you know, to someone "sorry" and then you also say "I'm sorry." Like just that slight deviation, yep. literally means the same thing, but it it the way you convey it is is read a totally different way. Or timing, you know, you write somebody five hundred dollars worth of tickets and you say, "Have a good day." 
Yeah. yeah. Zero percent chance that's happening. <laughs> right. You know, oh, man. Oh, when, speaking of that, I can tell you, side note, because there my brain goes, the first, the only time I've ever wrote somebody like stacked them with tickets, it was me and you. Remember, you we were coming. No, I, I would have though. Fuck you. So we're going down. <laughs> we're, him, me and Kyle were going down El Cam Boulevard in, in Deltona, and this lady blew a stop sign at Montecito and almost fucking T-boned. She you. had a big mouth to blow that stop sign. Yeah, so she didn't. So she almost <laughs> fucking T-bones Kyle, right? Oh and, yeah. Uh, we Fuck, get there. I forgot about that. Yeah. So we get there. She. No seatbelt, husband, no seatbelt. She has what, five or six kids. None of them, no seatbelt. The youngest is like six months in a baby carrier in the cargo area. That's the only time I ever stacked somebody. I think she had like over a thousand dollars worth of tickets, but she she shouldn't have been driving to begin with. Yeah, no, she definitely shouldn't have, but I don't know where that came from. Whenever I see kids involved, like kids walking around on the back seat, no no safety seat or anything like that. That's that's when I get out the the big pad and we start we start writing some tickets. But yeah, it used to be press hard five copies, and it went to three copies, and it went to digital shit. My printer doesn't work. I keep waiting to get pulled <laughs> over and get a ticket for all those people I can pay on the side of the road. I'm almost looking forward to that. Oh, Go to Georgia, hey. dude. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, I fucking went through the other day. Dude, they must have no crime other than traffic because everywhere I go in Georgia, yeah, yeah, up and down ninety five, man. Oh, yep. and Virginia, that's a, a thing, right? I don't go that far. Virginia, yeah, no, don't speed in Virginia. Too far north. Yeah, well, yeah, I w- I was in Virginia up in June, and there were actually I got a patch from a Virginia State Trooper, and <laughs> luckily I had no issues with him. He was cool, but. In the area where I was, no issues. But yes, I've heard the same thing about Virginia State Troopers. Don't don't fuck around. Yeah, Georgia, right Virginia, stay clear of those. As far and as also for, uh, for Georgia, like speeding is a criminal offense in Georgia, right. which is crazy. Yeah. Well, yeah, I've actually seen some Florida cops arrest people for excessive speed, even though it's only a mandatory court appearance and actually took them to jail. <laughs> yeah. Luckily, yeah. I wasn't their fucking supervisor, so... I had one. He was coming down a bridge going... Ah, shit. I can't remember. It was like 45 plus. Like a he was lot going and a little. Yeah. So I stopped him, and I, that's what I thought, too. And I like... I didn't cuff him, but I got him out of the car, or whatever. Yeah. And I reread the statue. I was like, oh, never mind. No, no, I was no. Like, I seen him booked, and, and we're like, shit, we need to go unarrest this guy. And not me. Can you articulate reckless at that point? Well, they did it and they put the speeding statute in there. And like when I caught it as the oncoming supervisor, I was like, hey, we need to go unarrest this guy. He'd already bought out of jail. I'm like, uh, shit. <laughs> yeah, that was fuck. not good. <laughs> you better call the state <laughs> attorney and drop those charges, man. Like yesterday. Yeah. Hey, go buy that damn dude a fucking McDonald's burger. You know, give him twenty bucks and and have him sign a piece of paper. This has got to be off the record, but one time we had a CI. We had a guy. Oh yeah, you're you're not. We're recording. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. See, I can go through and I can delete my shit. That's why I always put off the record before I say shit. Nothing's Um, off the record here, dude. Yeah. No. Oh, okay. Well, anyway. <laughs> no, not, not yet, not yet. We'll see. We we'll see. We'll see how this Tito's goes. He didn't um, say no. <laughs> I didn't say no. <laughs> That's my love life. No, every girl who told me no to me just meant not right now, or she's not ready to say yes yet. <laughs> not yet. <laughs> no means maybe. <laughs> Blink with both eyes. Um, but anyway, I'll tell you that story a different day, though. Um, well, let's use but fake no. names and tell the same story. <laughs> 
<laughs> you know what? I you know what? Time has passed, right? I already mm-hmm. I don't even work there anymore. Statue anyway, long story short, stuff. fuck those people. Yeah, I uh, okay. So I threw out a CI cell phone by accident, nice. and uh, I had to end up buying him a new cell phone. Accident. Yeah, the dude fucking stood me up. I was like, "Fuck that! It's my new cell phone, man!" Like, yeah. And then he didn't work for us, so I don't know if we. Ended that up... You're bad. You bought it. It's not like you. Stole yeah, it I tried him. to make good, man. I tried. You, yeah, you acted in good faith. I so, wouldn't be ashamed of that story at all. I used to. Where we used to arrest to like, uh, not not intentionally, but like, say we arrested somebody who was homeless for whatever reason. You know what I mean? Like uh, disorderly yeah, talks or whatever it was. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I was not hauling the bum bag full of fucking stinky shit to evidence, right? So there was a uh, strip mall in the city that we worked in, and I would throw it in the dumpster, and I would tell him, "Hey, look, trash days on Wednesday. You better come back, or that shit's fucking gone." <laughs> I'm not picking your fucking disgusting bag. And then you know, I'll tell you what, though, that was you know a dozen years ago. But looking at it now, I'm like, dude, that's like everything this guy owned. You uh-huh. know what I mean? But it's soaked in piss. So I mean, it's kind of like a win-win for both of you, dude, <laughs> right? He gets money. new stuff eventually, man. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> or new to him, he'll get it from jail. Yeah, well, he'll find somebody. He'll find some unlocked fucking car to reacquire some property from. Yeah, exactly. It's going to be an upgrade anyway. Yeah. <laughs> that's a shit. Yeah, that's the shit that, what that goes on that people don't know about. That's the stuff I feel like instead of watching cops where like they chase people, you should see like the real life stuff where people are like, oh my God, this guy pissed in my car. In the next 45 minutes, you're sweating your ass off in the middle of summer, fucking mopping up a puddle of bum Covered, piss. You're wearing your damn like polyester uniform before the fucking over vest, right? Like yeah. literally the poly- <laughs> under everything, fucking yeah. dying. Yeah. Oh, yeah. What's funny is you forget about more shit than you remember. At least I do. And you sure. know, that just brought up a story. I was like, damn, when I was a trainee, you know, I think second or third phase and the jail was in my my uh, zone and there was some fucking bum that got arrested from somewhere else. And then obviously he got brought there and they ROR'd him in the morning, but he was just didn't want to leave. And started pissing all over the cars in the parking lot. I swear to God, <laughs> look it up. Yeah, started pissing all over the cars in the parking lot, and the jail's like, "We need to trespass him." We fucking arrested that guy for trespassing after warning <laughs> at the in. fucking jail and brought him back in from the front parking lot to the Sally Port. I swear to fucking God, I'll find the report. It's fucking great. It's amazing. <laughs> it's like, that's how it started for me. I was like, "All right, well, I." don't know how that works legally that's gonna set the tone yeah that was uh i mean that could have been attributed to my agency as well uh, not exactly the jail part no I, I have a yeah. oh i'm sure it was percent certainty he Listen. came from fucking beachside yeah. i have no doubt yeah but everything we were just talking about right the the toxic realm that we're brought up in kind of brings so much hell onto us as mm-hmm. we progress throughout our career because because of that, because it's not an open and free and safe environment to talk about, we start turning to other realms of coping. And, you know, I mean, I'd like to say most cops, and I'll say like 98% of cops will oh, choose. God, no, I'll die. I'm sorry, I'm talking to you, cops. You said no to a Mick Ultra and you said you'd die? I, really? some, I don't know. Some reason it gives me you really want a white bad. claw? What's that? You want a white claw? No, no, I'm good. I got some more of my land shark things. <laughs> Plug for St. Um, Louis' finest right here. That's right. <laughs> anyway, I was going to say something about unhealthy habits. Yeah. Since we're talking about them. <laughs> exactly. So you you go to things, and I'd like to say that 98% of cops will choose 
legal options, mm-hmm. but even those legal options are not good, right? right? We'll start going to alcohol, um, which is not bad in short bursts, but obviously we some of us get too excessive with it. Um, women gambling, so on, so forth. Even to something so minute as Very like arousing. shopping addiction. Like shopping addiction is a really big thing now with like Amazon one click to buy and people yeah. are buying so much shit and they're, you know, they're not managing their money properly. And then before you know it, like whatever that coping mechanism you chose, which was legal is fucking up your life. Mm-hmm. Well, just because you only said just women because once, the, by the way, dude. yeah, women use that <laughs> multiple times in there. Yeah. Beer, women, drugs, women, shopping, women. So just because it's been deemed legal or illegal, by the government doesn't mean it can be healthy because anything can be in excess, whether it's eating, you know, even exercising can exercise in excess. You know what I mean? Like there's so many things that could be bad for you, but it's all bullshit folks. It's all bullshit. And it's bad for you. I mean, alcohol in general is one of the most abused substances, obviously on the planet, let alone this country, but in law enforcement, we talk about this quite frequently. Alcoholism, substance abuse, obesity, life expectancy after retirement, Divorce. Oh, all, all, yeah. all, every one of these parameters that would lead to an unhealthy lifestyle is prevalent in not just first responders, but even more so law enforcement. Mm-hmm. And I don't think people quite understand that there is a stress that comes along with that, this job, this environment, this culture that takes its toll on people and how they deal with that. And I've always been very, very fortunate that I've been able to separate those stressors where I've seen a lot of people that I know. Very, very good friend of mine. Um, I talk to him all the time. He, we went to another, we went to a call together uh, maybe a year, year and a half ago, and it still weighs on him very heavy. And to me, it doesn't. And I don't know that his role or involvement was much different than mine. But for some reason to him, it was a very, very, um, it was a it was a fork in the road moment for him. You know what I mean? Yeah, so yeah. for him it led to, you know, obviously led to excessive drinking, um, you know, just just doing things that were bad for his health, bad for him emotionally, financially, you know, just his family. Yeah. And um thankfully he's doing much, much better now. We we had he's doing really, really well and I'm very proud of him. But it's just amazing how people discredit something like that, how dismissive somebody can be of, oh, it was just this, or it was just that. Oh, absolutely. But also, you know, you said that you and him had the same role, but what if someone had like a lesser role that could still weigh on them in a different way? And that doesn't make their traumatic version of that experience any more invalid or more valid. Like, like exactly. whatever is real to them is real to them. No. And that's it why it's relative. No, it know? is. It is relative. And the one thing I like to, I always pound it into my my when I was a sergeant into my deputies and when That's I was when I was a lieutenant yeah. Yeah. yes. And then when I you know when I was a lieutenant into my sergeant, I said, do not confuse sympathy with empathy. Yeah. Do not overuse empathy. Sympathy is I'm sorry. I feel bad for you. You know, empathy is I understand how you feel. And I always like to give my they're like, well why why do you mean? What do you say that for? So let's say um you go to somebody's house and their mom died. You're like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I know how you feel. My mom just died. Oh, okay. Was your mom an alcoholic that used to bring around other men that used to beat you? Or maybe they used to sexually abuse? Right. You don't know their story. So using empathy, you have to be very, very careful with unless you've walked in those shoes. It's really easy to dismiss other people's um, trials or whatever. It does. You, it becomes dismissive of them. It does. It's, sure. it's easy to do that if you're looking at it through the lens of your own experiences. Right. 
you know, so you could have, you know, your kid falls and breaks their elbow or whatever. And you've never seen that or like, Oh my God, you know, or the first time you dealt with it, you're going to you'd probably be off the wall. But like, if you go to the orthopedic surgeon, they're like, all right, next. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. It, you know, yeah. run of the mill. So I think that's one thing that, that people, especially in first responders in all capacities is they need to start really honing in their skills when it comes to empathy and sympathy and knowing the difference and being tactful with what you say and not just to the public, but just to each other. Mm. Because if you were joking around about something and it's bothering me, the vast majority of people would joke around as well because they don't want to feel as an outcast. Yes, absolutely. You know what I mean? They don't want to feel as if they're the, you know, the odd man out where very few people, and I'm not, not braggadocious by any stretch, but are like me where I don't give a fuck about nothing, about nobody, about anything, nobody's opinion of me. It's never bothered. But, and it's also taking some understanding and introspective to understand that a lot of society isn't like that. So I have to be very considerate of others where other people are dismissive just because they're conceited. It's the exact opposite. Yeah. And Kyle, we were talking about this before we press record earlier today about how dark humor, you know, keeps us going. We're good with it. Right. But your dark humor and my dark humor may be totally different. And what you joke about, I'm going to joke around with it too, just because I want to fit in. Mm -hmm. But the situation may be really fucked up to me, but I want to, I want to blend in with you because again, that camaraderie is going to keep me going more and more. But then we just compress what the issue is or what's really bothering us. And that's not good either. Yeah. So I kind of, uh, I chewed on that a little bit after we talked. And I was thinking to myself, I'm like, damn, all these different coping stressing mechanisms, right? Like to deal with them. Even if you just say blanket physical fitness, there's so many different types of physical fitness programs mm-hmm. or things you could do. Yeah. J-O-Z. Yeah. J-O-Z, J-O-Z, Xbox and J-O regularly. Right. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> I mean, but you could be into bodybuilding or Ironmans or completely different. And those two people don't understand each other. No, and they're, and they're doing the same thing to help themselves. Exactly. So the same thing for me, I think, with humor, like me especially, I'm going to be very candid about it, uh, innuendo and sexual innuendo, like that is fucking hilarious to me. No, and, and, I, and I say this loosely. Uh, I tell Kyle all the time. Yeah, like, loosely. I, 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 yeah, I have a little um, like running log I have for my stand-up comedy that I'm never going to do. But like things, but to me, like racism rape sexual all these things are funny in humorous context depending on where you are so like yeah yeah, time and place so i also go back to like if you died and four cops came there they're gonna laugh at your dick like it doesn't matter yeah that that's just what happens that's how you deal with that so and um when i was in our child exploitation we dealt primarily primarily with child pornography um hands-on offenders um sexual offenders online enticement what is a hands-on offender hands-on offender means somebody who actually was a hands-on they were touching like uncle tommy touched me type of thing yeah but you you i didn't work there i didn't do that job, yeah, yeah but you probably saw that even in that there was people who obviously committed things mm-hmm. and people who fantasized about things right and that's that those were the difference but we would joke about different videos photos think right to cope with that so and not necessarily in a way to demean or diminish the victim itself. 
It's the but, way you coped with that situation. Right. So like so we saw a guy in the same slew of videos, like this guy had like twenty thousand videos and photos of, of CP child pornography, right? So in all of this stuff, there was a video of a guy fucking a snake. Like, fucking like, hilarious. Like like dick, in, dick in snake. Oh, like well, dick right. in snake. I don't know how that happened. Don't know either, but he worked at it. I mean, I don't think the snake was there willingly, but either way. So <laughs> I hope not. No, so <laughs> So Didn't that was so that was that was like our way of dealing with the other yeah. nineteen thousand nine hundred ninety nine yeah, shitty fucking yeah. photos and videos of you know children you know being exploited. Yeah, it was it was a way to focus that attention. Or we go to these houses, these places to be filthy, disgusting. So, really good friend of mine, Dennis, um, super smart. He's one of our digital forensics techs. Really great guy. Um, poor fucking guy. When whenever we'd have a very intricate system. You can't just unplug it and take it back. Like you have to do a dump and download there on scene, right? And these, pe- and these people quite literally sit in squalor and filth and fucking jerk off all day long. And he was in there one time and it was so bad in a couple houses. I have photos I'll send you. Please don't. He's throwing up at like at these houses. Like he's throwing up, but and I and it's very funny to us that we laugh about him throwing up, but it is a deflection. Of how we're dealing with sure. was that the like actual performance job. anxiety throwing up, or what was he throwing up over? Oh God, dude, you have never been in filth. Remember the house you guys had to knock down the wall to get the dead body out? There, yeah, there's been a few. Yeah, yes, yes, yeah, that, but worse. Like you, the nope. the this. I so I we were at a house I would, right now. No one I know. I, I would take my shit off and leave it right there in my car. Yeah. I stay, I'm done. We went to a house one time and it was so bad. We had people come with decomp masks, yep. decomposition. Masks. Bags, yeah. So yep, we had yep. them use those to go into this house and we knocked over a jar of fluid. Nope. Don't uh, know what kind of fluid it was. I assume some sort of bodily fluid. Maybe he was catching his batches, but it fell down on the ground. It smashed open and a dog was like uh, licking it up. I think I've and seen was, this movie called Ted before. Dude, it was terrible. <laughs> it was fucking terrible. But okay, it, so back on topic, it, it's def, it's dealing with those yeah. stressors, in right? A, and that's what I was going to say. Yeah, sorry, imagine bro, I'm not saying I understand what you're saying. No, 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 no. That's perfectly fine. Little graphic, but I think that drives yeah, home the point. <laughs> I think that drives home the point, though. Like you're telling me this story, and I'm like, how does someone cope with that healthy? Right? Like, or it, I can think of a is, yeah. You know? Exactly. And I can think of every single unhealthy way that you could cope with that. And because if you're someone in that situation and you've been cultured to not talk to the buddy next to you about like that was fucked up. Yeah. I mean, you're just going to you're going to do something by yourself and it's going to just it's going to eat at you. It's going to fester at you just like the shit that you just described. No, it does. And and not to, to jump back on the story, but we had 10 people in this unit. Nine people got along really, really, really well. We were all were able to joke and kid and make fun and really lose. And there was one individual who did a tremendous job, really, really went above and beyond, but she manifested it differently. It ate at her. She was on medication, had sleeping problems. I mean, it ended up being the demise of her career. I think the stressors ended up forcing her out. It was a performance-related issue down the road, but I think it was a culmination of that job because she didn't have that outlet, you know. And I don't know that she was a person who felt comfortable doing that. It's a shame because she did a really great job. I'd rather have that outcome and and they leave than the more permanent solution. Oh no, absolutely. You know, so we, we talk about this all the time. The shirt Kyle's wearing is for first responders. You know, I'm sorry, not first responders, but military. You know, um, 
was it project was it um, mission 22 yeah. um suicide is a, is a permanent fix for a temporary problem you know what i mean no matter what it is it is literally temporary but that is a permanent fix so we got to figure out how to deal with that and understanding how to deal with these stresses is kind of where this conversation started is how understanding what unhealthy is and what healthy is yeah and i feel like that's the divide um for sure and you know it's it's kind of interesting we're we're all all three of us are drinking that's fine, right? We're literally just shit. In all honesty, if we were in a bar, we'd have the same yeah, conversation. Exactly. We'd be having drinks, and it'd be a way to decompress. Like I always, I use the analogy: um, you got to let that steam out. You got to loosen the pressure, just kind of let it go, right? The drinking's fine, but it's when you're alone and you're you're just pounding them again and again. That's the unhealthy, and you need to start realizing when you have these coping coping mechanisms, and it could be women it could be gambling but when it starts going in excess that's the problem i think when it the intent shifts like the intent is hey i need to cut the edge off like cool that's a little bit but when it's like hey i need to numb myself yeah when i get shit out so i don't feel that reality that's when you cross over into a different realm and then then it's going to go from there then it's going to be i need this to function and then i need cocaine and heroin and you know strippers and everything else you know? yep. yes. and i feel like all three of us have seen people go down that rabbit hole to where it started out something fine mm-hmm. and even i've seen people at the end of that at the bottom end of that hole and luckily i've seen people get out of that hole too but it all started with something simple like hey we're gonna go out every friday night just to decompress and then it goes further and further down because nobody in that decline was like what's going on you good and that was the culture back then you know and, and it's funny and i it's funny you say that because when i was supervising i had a guy i had to call him into the office and i said hey listen something's fucked up like you and i we're not close we don't know each other that well but something's off dude i've been around the fucking sun a few times now something isn't right i can tell you're not right what's up and he was really reluctant to talk to me so long and short was we got with our boss so my boss's boss so it'd been his boss's boss my boss and lo and behold, his boss was a recovering alcoholic currently in AA. And I was like, hey, I'm going to let y'all talk. I'm going to fucking step out. Yeah. I think, and it was yeah literally, you're not going to recognize it. It was literally that fucking that switch. Mm-hmm. Dude called me up said, dude, I, I don't think you know what that meant to me. Like, yeah. you literally were a person to say, listen, man, I don't know what it is. This isn't about writing you up. Getting your, it has nothing to do with that. It's about saying, you're a human. You have a problem. We have to fix it. How can we help you? Let us help you. And literally, that's all it was to turn his life around. And he said, man, that was that was a, a huge defining moment. And I take a lot of pride in that because a lot of people just feel like, fuck that guy. He's a slacker. He's fucking lazy. Mm-hmm. But why? That's where I think a lot of people get lost is in what is the why? What is causing this? Yeah, I, I think everybody, well, a lot of people are, are stressed out about coming forward with anything because of the repercussions and there's going to be there is yeah and it's there's going to be repercussions it they might vary you i mean might not be able to do the job that you're doing anymore you might have to go to a different um you know area or take a time out or whatever that's still you know a negative repercussion but but is it it, it's not that's what it's perceptive it is yeah so it's like oh man my identity is going to get stolen and and the story i want to share with that is um when I was a lieutenant, there was actually a, um, a guy that came forward to the sergeant. He's like, hey, I've been dealing with shit for 20 years, like from the military. Um, I never told my ex-wife, never told 
my current wife, never told anybody, but I'm reaching out to you for help because I trust you. And it's, it, I, I, I laugh not because it's funny. I laugh because it's sad. Um, and even that, that's sergeant, how I deal with sad too. Yeah. So mm-hmm. even that sergeant was like, yeah, caffeine and hate, right? Fuck you. Right. Um, even that sergeant was like, Hey, I know you're not my lieutenant, but I don't want to go to my lieutenant because of that. Like that would have got stopped if I hadn't been there. So that, I mean, yeah. that was one of my most proud things. And I mean, luckily he, you know, spoke up and yeah, he's good today. You know? you know, that's the thing. That's the difference because what you're most proud of has nothing to do with anything you accomplished. No. It has to do with you helping someone else, yeah. which is the basis of all of public service. That's why we all started, dude. It is 100% yeah. to go out there. I, I got in originally to to help people in the medical field, people that were sick. But then I said, you know what? I'm going to chase bad guys. I'm going to put people in jail. You know, you call Still them, helping people. You know, you yeah. tell people being a bully to the bullies. And that's kind of what I was. I was kind of like, man, you know what? I really, really want to do this to help people. Mm-hmm. Like, I enjoy that. But it's like when somebody you work with needs help because they have the same stupid monkey suit on as you that you – don't want to help them like I, it right. doesn't click for me it doesn't and you know i've brought up this analogy too right like if i put a 2000 buick saber in front of you guys right tinted windows but poorly tinted windows buddy. We're yeah. exactly that. you guys know exactly what's inside that car <laughs> yeah. right and you know what's going to come out of it i don't like buicks it, i got shot by a buick <laughs> <laughs> but if i put one of your officers in front of you and I start putting different symptoms on it. Yeah. How many people listening can diagnose that as this guy needs help? Oh. And that's the shit that we need to be cognizant of yeah. is because you're seeing these people every single day. You're seeing that Buick every single day. You know what's inside of it. So you should know what's inside that person that's in front of you, your brother, your sister. You want to use those terms and you, it makes you sound high, you know, holier than thou. But if you're not reaching out and beginning and begin, beginning the conversation saying, hey, what's going on? Or doing doing what you guys said and like pulling them aside, be like, hey, I don't know what's going on, but something's going on. That's that's the important part. Yeah, it, I think that starts with self-recognition, right? Because you, you know you better than anybody else. And you have, when you feel something and you feel like you don't want to, you know, go to somebody with something because of fear or whatever you know that you're trying to mask that and it's detectable. No, you guys have the level of humility yeah. to, to be able to, you know, understand that for sure. It goes back to that self-awareness for sure. It, there's, there's a humility and there's self-awareness right in there because we're all go back to that alpha that we talked about in the very beginning. You know, there's nothing wrong with me. I'm in it to win it. There's no, nothing wrong with it. But every once in a while you, you need to take that self-reflection and go, all right, what's actually going on here? You can't be, I know a lot of people, you know, they're involved with a critical incident and they say, I'm good. I have no issues with it. Yeah, it was kind of fucked up and I'm still kind of thinking about it. I know it was a few months ago, but I'm still kind of thinking about it. You need to be able to pretend that nobody's there and say, all right, you know what? That is still affecting me. I need, you know, so it it is that it's that self-awareness. It's that humility that we're basically told, like, don't feel that shit. No, and I think that's where it's people like, hey, look, you don't want to talk to me, fine, but you got to talk to somebody. Like, you need to say, I don't care if it's your, your fucking your mom, your sister, your brother, a counselor. If it's bothering you, I don't need to know. I don't need the details. Like, I just want you to be okay. 
Because if you're not okay, you need to get okay. And I don't care how you get there. I don't care what steps you have to take there, but you need to get there. You know, we need to do it for each other. We need to be there for each other. And I think that's where a lot gets lost in translation. And that starts early in the academy. Like you were talking about, Charlie, like people, it's from the beginning. I've never understood the bulletproof mindset, like, you know, th- that tombstone courage. Bullshit. Look, mm-hmm. and I think it's absolute bullshit. You know what I mean? It's, like, it's in, a facade. I think that, you know, Dave Grossman, Lieutenant Colonel Dave Grossman has some really good ideas about understanding your abilities, your environment, and knowing how to emotionally deal with problems and go, you know, go ahead on to deal with this. So sure. I, I give the example of the, the shooting down in Texas, um, Uvalde, Texas. All these people are, once again, standing around knowing Dude, you should be going to that motherfucker wide open to get in there and save these kids. Like yeah. mm-hmm. bulletproof mindset does exist, I think. It but it's in doses. No, it's, it does. It's not a full time gig. No, to me it's not a bulletproof mindset. It's just knowing that I have Kevlar on but don't start rifle rounds. You know what I mean? Like right. I need to it's, know that you have a gun, you're armed, that's you can courageous. shoot and kill me. That's what that means. Yeah, but I stopped a guy on a motorcycle one time and he was fucking shaking, dude, freaking out. He's like, hey, I got a gun. I was like, cool, me too. Don't pull it out. We won't fucking have a duel. Yeah, I won't either. Yeah, like, hey, cool. Dude, chill. Like, relax, dude. But that's where people, it, it, it that that breakdown of communication. I know we talked about de-escalation before where, you know, ask, tell, make. To me, that is de-escalation. Yeah. You know what sure. I mean? It, sure. It's yeah. taking these steps and they want to try to turn this into a new, uh, you know, a new buzzword or trying to turn this into a new, you know, a, a phrase of the day where they say, oh, did they deescalate the situation? Mm-hmm. Some can't get deescalated. Right. Some people need punched. Some people need hit. Bullshit. Some people need shot. Some people need killed. Right. I didn't That's do that. Deescalation at the end of the day. You know what I mean? I, and I was, and, and I you're in Chick-fil-A before all this, you know, right. <laughs> right. And, you know, just to touch on bullet move, bulletproof mindset real quick. I feel like the idea of having that is the way I, the way I interpret it, because, you know, having listened to a lot of his stuff, I feel like the way we become bulletproof in our mind is to recognize the stressors that come in and then knowing how to be resilient and kind of deflecting it. Like, yes, tombstone courage. I think that's an entirely different beast. I think when, when I think of it, it's literally knowing What's going to come in and how am I going to deflect the stuff that's coming in? And yeah, dude, I think it has a lot to do with vulnerability. Right. Um, you know, in that I need help and that's cool. Like that's what we need. You no, know, I mean, uh, you can be a damn warrior and still need help. And not for nothing. Um, there's plenty of accounts. There's plenty of written accounts from short, you know, uh, conflicts whether it be like an armed standoff where people are getting shot at or even just um, you know warfare for whether trench warfare and world war one or in world war two people have no idea that they had pissed themselves during battle like yeah there's a very sobering feeling when right fucking rounds are coming your way you know what i mean like there's a very real real understanding of how fragile your life is when fucking bullets are skipping off of buildings by you all of that comes into focus. There's nothing that says you can walk out there and then you're just going to be like, you know, the fucking Terminator, you know, sucking up around. That's not what we're saying. What we're saying is you have to understand there's risk to be had, but is the reward worth the risk? And I think that's where people, the, the delineation between tombstones, courage, and, you know, that bulletproof fine. It is a fine line. Yeah, no, I, I know if I'm good because I'm behind this tree. I got plenty of hard cover as long as he doesn't transition that I need to move, fall back somewhere else. But people often 
confuse the two or overuse the two, which I think the overuse is where you see these people end up getting themselves or others hurt because of foolish actions. For sure. Yeah, I, I agree completely. I think it all goes back to self-awareness. You know, you're not Superman. You're not bulletproof physically. Right. Um, but going into that mindset or going into that situation with the mindset, um, you know, I see a lot on social media. It's definitely an influencer thing where, you know, they deal with something traumatic and they got to make this, this big skeptical or big spectacle, I should say. And it pisses me off because one thing is clout chasing, right? Like they're mm. literally like, Oh, look at me. I dealt with this, blah, blah, blah. Right. You did. And there, it definitely needs to be dealt with in an appro- in an appropriate way. Right. But to go on social media, to go into the public and like, this is the fine line, right? There's a difference between venting and saying, Hey, I need help bitching about it and saying like, Oh, it sucks. And then like, just clout chasing and <laughs> for sure those latter <laughs> two pisses you just remind me of a there's a little short odyssey for kyle maybe you can fucking find it and send it to you it's uh it's family guy and him yes, and, him yes. And Lewis, they're like hey look it's a hospital bed where you can yep. take selfies to get you know likes and shares exactly. don't want to talk about it today Ella, you know, like dot, 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 or whatever. That's what And all the comments. Exactly. That's exactly. If you were genuinely having a fucking problem, would you be, I'm feeling so sad today. You know, fucking frowny face. Fuck you. You're like, oh, the shit I just saw at work, dot, dot, dot. And then all the likes come in. Like, dude, stop. Stop. That's virtue signaling. Like, and, and I share stories myself, personally, um, that affect me. You know, and I think that's different. It's not right. Right. It's not right. that elusive. You know. No, there's some. Bullshit. There's some. There's some definitiveness to it. Yeah. Like this and, is and what, substance behind there it. There is right. no. There's no innuendo or lack. So, um, somebody in my family who remain nameless is very big for doing that. It'll be crying wolf. Oh, uh, I'm. I got to go to the doctor today. Hope I'm going to be okay. Mm-hmm. Right, oh and that post God. has twenty likes. Didn't say that it was a fucking you know, I had to go to the dentist for a cleaning <laughs> or whatever. Like that was what re- re- really happened. Right? You know what I mean? Stop. Like, listen, you've really reduced the you you've taken away the the people who genuinely need that. You know what I mean? Like the people who are out looking that for sharing help. stories, sharing mm-hmm. feelings about substantive issues, not wide open you know it's not music lyrics where it's like hey these sound good fit it to your own story you know yeah Uh, right right yeah and you know there's there's it's it's a fine line because i posted something the other day where i was i got on my i got on my soapbox and i was like stop doing this shit and people started attacking me because i didn't word it properly but the idea being yeah that I'm all for people reaching out, getting help, venting, all that shit. I'm I'm really good with all that. It's the vague kind of give me some attention. Attention seeking. Yeah. I can't stand, man. Like yeah. and, and and it is a fine line because I don't want to I don't want people to listen and, and be discouraged like, oh well I'm not gonna put no, this no, out there. That's not what I'm saying at all, but it's like if right. you have kids by chance. I do not. Okay. I, I have I have a not quite a stepdaughter. Jim. All right. So so I got a three year old and a five year old. My three year old tough as fucking nails. Italian. Dude, he's fucking animal. Like absolute savage, wrecking ball, wide open. Doesn't matter. He hasn't born. He wasn't born. He wasn't born with give a fuck at all. And my five year old, 
soft, sweet, caring, kind, just very compassionate, loving child, right? So if my five-year-old falls and skins his knee and he looks around and nobody's there, he's fine. You understand? Yeah. But if, if you, he, you see him skin his knee, it's the end of the world. Yeah. Same type of thing, but in adult, you know, for an adult, like they're looking for that response from others where the three-year-old, dude, he's a walking, talking middle finger, man. He does not care, you know, but that's the difference. I think that as a parent watching a child, you're, you're fine. Fucking knock it off. But you don't want to kind of say that to an adult because they have the means to not be fine. You know, you kind of want to understand, but they're, they're, You've blurred the line so much. You know what I mean? Where we can't say he and she anymore. Like we're in a society where we're, we're too worried about hurting someone's feelings. Don't get me started. <laughs> Don't get me fucking get, started. Get Kyle off on a tangent about oh, this shit. No, I'm not doing it. Do it. Do nope. it. <laughs> nope. No, but you know what? I, I, I agree completely. I feel like, you know, someone said, I think Kyle said earlier, like when it gets to crying wolf, right? Mm-hmm. Like you start saying that shit about every fucking call for service when the big one comes and the big one's going to come. If you're in this job, any strength, any length of time, then no one's going to like give a shit when it's the real one. And it's, it's trusting in that person. It, it boils back down to trust, dude. Right. You're going to start diluting that trust. And that's where, if you are a, a law enforcement officer or any first responder listening to this, whether it be fire, EMS, dispatch, whatever it is, and I consider dispatch first responders. Oh, for sure. So do I, because I started that way, and I love you. I way. fucking yeah. hate that job. There, there's no way. I, I no way. Absolutely no <laughs> I way. I hate both of those jobs, actually. <laughs> but my idea is, like, if, you, if you're in those positions, it is important to start out with good coping mechanisms, having somebody. Now... I did say earlier, therapy isn't for everybody. Some right. people just can't do therapy, and I'm I'm okay with that. Like that's fine. Have somebody, have a partner that you trust, a supervisor, a pastor, any literally anybody that you trust that you can talk to on a regular basis that'll either listen, give you feedback, or tell you what to do. No, but you also have th- to you also need to understand too, at least for the people listening out there, therapy isn't doesn't have to be professional. You don't have to sit down and talk with somebody. Correct. This what is, is therapy? Hey, what is there? We're doing therapy. This right is now. exact. This, this is exactly is, what yep, I was fixing yep, to tell you. Yep. That's what this was for Kyle. No, when we first started this up, it was yep. like I told him. I said it feels good. You know, it's therapeutic just to sit here and shoot the shit about this stuff. Like I told him, I, I'm a big into to hunting. Like I love whitetail hunt, whether bow hunt, muzzleload, and bright doesn't matter. Like to me, that's therapeutic. Alone by myself in the woods doing like just me, me time doing me. That's very, very, very therapeutic. Where Kyle, you know, I'm, you do jujitsu, you work out, you know, like you have all the things that yeah. you do. Right. It doesn't necessarily mean counseling, you know, th- and there's nothing wrong with that either. You have to find what is Final healthy works. for you. Mm-hmm. But trial and error. Um, I have no shame in saying I've been to counseling, I've been to therapy, I've done it. It's not for me. Um, I've been to psychologists, psychiatrists, whatever you want to call them, for. Um, promotional process, not promotional, excuse me, but uh, hiring processes. And they said, like, this stuff will not work for you. Like, you are not the type of person that gains from this, you know. So understanding yourself is important. I think it's also important to understand that what works for you may not work for someone else. And even if it doesn't work for somebody else, it might be only a piece of your overall solution. Oh, for sure. Yeah. So you could go to counseling, and if that's all you do, it's still not going to work. You know, no, if that, if you need more than that, right. you know, yeah, getting, I feel like cool, but like, 
I, for me, like I can only speak, speak for what, what works for me. It's doing hard things. And that's what she said, but yeah, not that hard thing. Fuck off. Um, just doing difficult, difficult things. Right. You know, um, you know, and being a cop was fucking one of those. That was therapeutic for me at one point until it turned not. And I'll tell you, that was that was one of the main factors of me leaving law enforcement is I used to and I loved going to work like mm-hmm. I would leave home to go to work because it was fun. Yeah. You know, what I mean, like, hey, we're gonna go out and buy dope and chase bad guys and run through the fucking hood. And like, I loved it. It was like I truly Love that. Like my wife, you know, you know what I mean? Like, Hey, we're, we're working a wire case. You need, you need to be on call for 24 hours. We're going to go, you know, Georgia chasing dope dealers. You're like, fuck. Yeah. Like it was awesome. Like I I signed up for. Yeah. Yeah. But that percentage of what that actually means, is so small. And then when you do all that work and then the prosecutor drops the shit, you're like, fuck you. You get in, you get not only personally involved, like, emotionally involved in it but you, you put your name in. you do yeah you put your name you put your reputation your ethic mm-hmm. behind this entire thing and you know a, a big one that a lot of people probably resonate with is when you are actually a victim like battery Elliot, right mm-hmm. and they just no pros didn't even fucking contact you no they don't care what yeah <laughs> like I couldn't be more emotionally involved in anything in my life other than being a victim. I still have the 911 recording, like the actual dispatch calls. Um, I was ended up arresting a guy for battery Elio. Seven and a half minutes I fought with this guy. Seven and a half minutes is a fucking eternity. Mm-hmm. Um, as a 25-year-old kid on the side of the highway in a different district on a different fucking radio channel waiting for shit to get patched over for fucking for the Calvary to arrive. The longest seven and a half minutes of my life. You know what happened to that guy? <laughs> nothing. Yeah. Zero. Like nothing. Zero. Have you ever gotten yeah. a foot pursuit on teletype? No. I have. That was that fun? Mm, fuck. Didn't know it. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> and, and then the dispatchers are scrambling to patch teletype. Uh, and like, we don't know how to do that. We've never had well, The problem was, I mean, at least where we were, like, that was where all your new dispatchers were, was on teletype. Because yep, that's yep. low-key shit, yep. you know? And you're in the mix of it in the hood, you know, for lack of a better term. And you're literally chasing people through, you know, yards with guns flying everywhere. They have zero idea what's going on. It's like, we're just going to go home for the day. So terrible. Yeah, no, it sucks for everybody. Oh, man. man that- I actually, I responded as backup to somebody in a foot pursuit on teletype. And I was like, all I heard was him getting out with somebody and switching over. And I was like. Let me start going that way. Mm-hmm. And sure enough, less than not. I mean, I put my car into drive and sure enough. Hey, he's in a foot pursuit. Yeah, no shit. I bet he was like, can we patch that? Yeah. <laughs> like, where was he last going? Like, it was, it was bad. We lost the guy. It was a different story for a different time too. But I think um, those are, I think those are the things that like that, that get you addicted to it. You know what yeah. I mean? Because there was a positive outcome. Yeah. But I also think too that that can turn to shit real quick. No, they no way they turn oh, to shit. Oh, absolutely. It's not those isolated incidences those, where those people, are memories. You know, those are your stories. No, they are. But for people who are dealing with these things emotionally, I think that it may not be that one incident that pushes them over the edge. 
that just takes up more room in that, you know, in that emotional wastebasket until stuff starts falling over. And I think that's what people often forget that you go to a DV, you end up punching somebody who did not deserve it by any stretch of the imagination. The administration watches the video. They fucking hang you out to dry. They badmouth you in the media. They tarnish your person name and everything. And they don't realize there's a hundred other calls behind this that were just leading up to this. This is a volcano blowing over. Yeah, I can't remember who shared a story with me and I feel like shit for not remembering, but they, they said, I don't know why that call bothered me because there was a favorable outcome. It's like, it wasn't that call that bothered you. No, that, it wasn't. That was a yeah, symptom. Yeah, yeah. No, it's exactly what it was. It was, was a, a symptom, symptom of the other hundred that you have dealt with. Yeah. And that was like, your mind went to what if, mm-hmm. you know, it, that's hard to cope with, man. Um, especially when you don't understand. And I think that's what comes, that's where the burnout all comes from. Fuck like yeah, dude. burnout is not an instant. Yeah. That's exactly where this comes from. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, um, you know, I, I think about my situation and obviously you guys are familiar with it, but Jason and Pat yeah. were not, set alone incidents. You nope. know what I mean? Like all that built up and those were just the tipping points. They were and uh, both of them. Um, both of those things were cascading things that combined and exploded over time. No, it, yeah. it, it, it's sad. And him and I had, had a discussion about something similar. I said, you know, what's, what's terrible. A good friend of mine, um, I'll touch back on where I was going in a second. Um, a good totally friend of mine just, off, we're sorry, just retired from where Kyle and I worked. And he called me up maybe a month ago and he said, Hey, um, when Jason, you're talking about Jason Rayner, when he was shot and killed, well, shot and then, you know, later died, he said, Did that bother you? Like, it, did you feel like it was fucked up? And I said, Well, what do you mean? He said, Do you feel like things could have been better? I said, No, absolutely. And he said, No, no, no. I mean, like, after. He said, It seems like nobody cares. He said, Yeah, it seems like. Nobody cares. Like it never happened. I said, no, they did. I said, no offense. I don't think they do. And I said, that's one of the reasons that I left is that we had an officer involved shooting where somebody died. And about three fucking days later, it was back to business as if nothing fucking happened. Mm-hmm. This poor guy got shot, later died. And it's like nothing happened. I said, yeah. if you think for a moment that couldn't be you or I in three days later, they would just be carrying on. You're out of your fucking mind. And I said, when I came to that realization that I was not important, that it was not important for me, then it wasn't, then it wasn't for me anymore. And it's sad because it wasn't just Jason who passed away as a result. I truly think that, that, that Patrick will, his, his, um, his suicide was, was a result of this. And I had talked to several people who knew him very, very closely and very well, who said that he struggled greatly with dealing with that call. And I felt like they, they didn't, they didn't help him. There's, they didn't help him. Yeah, that there's was, two things I want to, yeah, go ahead. one yeah. second, Kyle, um, two things I want to touch on with that. So I, I literally, as I was driving home today, talked to one of my old squad mates and she was in a foot pursuit on Friday. So it's today's Sunday. She was in a foot pursuit on Friday, called for backup crickets on the radio, same agency. Crickets on the radio in a foot pursuit for a violent offender. I don't know what it was for, but so talk about how things just don't change. Secondly, can't remember what the second thing was, but the big thing was literally the same agency, same district, everything as that man 
called for help crickets and it was like are you serious like have we learned nothing when when somebody asks for help the entire fucking city better come running to them and to me that feeling of alone like i again it goes down to what i was taught in the academy what i was taught in training was is the juice worth the squeeze yeah and at the end of the day when i made that decision to step aside to hang it all up it was the juice was not worth the squeeze anymore Yeah, and it's no, not. it wasn't because there was no support. At least in I my opinion, yeah. from at least in my experience, rather. I, I personally haven't experienced that where you're not you're not worried about your backup coming because I mean, shit. Every time I called for the world, the world showed up. I mean, seven. Yeah, no, no, that, that, seven, yeah, no. Yeah. I have nothing to say. At least in my experience, the same. Like if I, I've seen it. I yeah. just haven't experienced it. No, I hadn't either. You know, and I think that's. I was the watch commander the night that. Uh, for the county when when Jason was shot yeah. and we showed up where our staging area was the courthouse mm-hmm. and me and the other watch commander Matt very 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 good friend of mine and matter of fact Matt trained me was part of training when I got hired um, I when I was Matt. when I was sergeant Matt was my uh, he trained me as a deputy which yeah. was fucking weird Mark, Matt was my um, watch commander when I became a watch commander he was my partner as a watch commander when I became a district lieutenant he was my district lieutenant on the other end of the district like him and I were, were close super close yeah. And um, him and I went there when Jason got shot that night and it was like 500 cops that showed up. Literally, I'm talking mm-hmm. counties and counties away. I had, you know, you F- couldn't w- go to a street corner without seeing red and blues. No, the, when I, yeah, the FWC dude. showed up and the guy told me, he said, I've told every he was the head of what like he was a knight for the state. He said, every FWC officer in the state of Florida is coming this way. You tell me where you need him. And we we're like, that's how, that's how big this event was. You know what I mean? And for something to be so huge one day and then mean nothing the next, I really think hurt a lot of people. You know, I think it really showed where they're, you know, where, what it meant to them. Like it, you know, um, Kyle posted on our Facebook the other day that on the, um, the fallen officers uh, memorial here in Volusia County yeah. has been updated in fucking six, seven years. You know, there's been several officers that, that could be added to it. It, it just goes to show that it's, it's That's a, when they stop caring. You know, and I, I mean that in in the way like, and I say this all the time, do you want to change or do you want to appear to change? Do you want to care or do you want to appear like you care? Do you, right. you want, want to make to it look this? good for the cameras? Exactly. And that's where I think that things fall short. We get up there and we fucking beat our chest and we act like we're, you know, we're going to do this and that and the other. It's grandstanding. But when, it, but when it comes down to it, people who don't forget are the people whose lives have been affected, like Jason's family. You know what I mean? Like Pat's family, like all these people. They don't forget those things, and I think Not that's only where just the immediate family, dude, like the blue flame, you know, that was there. No, for sure. You know, yeah. you, Matt, mm-hmm. you know, whoever. I mean, countless people. I don't even know. Yep. Yeah. All and I could say from from my experience, fourth on, you know, one of the f- first five people on scene, whatever it was, having sat at Pat's family's kitchen table, mm-hmm. you know, having dinner with them, talking to them. You know, you you see how things have progressed yeah. in the culture. I mean, I can I can finger point at the agency too, but the culture itself, and you see how nothing has changed. Things aren't tighter. Things aren't you know. It's 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 damn near embarrassing to those men that gave their lives for something that was that to them was the most important thing in the world, and it it pisses me off. It saddens me. There's so many emotions that are immediately triggered because 
you know, I know how important their mission was to them. Mm-hmm. Like literally, Pat would leave briefing every single day saying, "Let's go put people in jail." Oh, he's a worker. He, in... he was working he, directly. From he cared me. nothing he more than to make the streets safer. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, yep. and to see their sacrifice not seemingly not mean anything to you know the the community or the more importantly the agency they serve. Uh, that that doesn't sit right with me. No, so I, I will say on a much lesser scale, and I don't reference um, the agency we used to work for very often because I, I'm not here to bad, but that's not what this is about. This is about I just am. saying, just opening up, you know, personal experiences. So, working at the sheriff's office in Volusia County, we had the the um, the uh, uh, number two in command, chief deputy, all right, John Creamer. John was here on a Friday, and he was fucking gone Monday. Mm-hmm. Nobody said a word. Nobody said anything, whether he quit, was fired, what happened. The day the number two man in a 500-man agency can be here and gone and nobody talks about it showed me that there is no value in any other employee in the whole entire agency. And that's what didn't sit well with me. The moment that he was here and now gone, it's like dad went out to get cigarettes and mom doesn't talk about it. I want to get milk, baby. Yeah, you ain't shit. You know what I'm saying? That mindset to me was so toxic like it sent a message that yeah. you are a name on a board filling a spot yeah. and if we don't fucking need you we'll find a different name for that board in that spot whether justified or not no let's, no let's so 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 justified or not, rumor mill rumor mill has it that he was fucking somebody trying to fuck somebody or whatever right. i don't care you i got one rule in life as long as your happiness doesn't interfere with my happiness you do right. you i'll do me don't get in my shit you know, but if this is being unsaid, I think was far more toxic for this agency than anything. Far more toxic than just saying John couldn't keep his dick out of A, B, and C. I asked him about it. I told him to stop doing it. He got caught fucking red-handed. We shit can. Even him. if you don't share details, it's it's a why. Yeah, right. To so I shared something yes two days ago, and. We're, we're airing this, I think, in November or December. I don't know what it is. but So it's going to be far removed. But I shared something September 23rd, and Kyle and I talked about this. It was from the page Surviving Policing. Mm-hmm. It says, when you leave the job, they will forget about you. No one will be calling for your help. You won't hear your car number squeaking over the radio. Your phone won't be ringing. One day it will just end. Yep. And that goes on both sides of that. Oh, for right? sure. So you will forget, they will forget, and the one's future. And that's what the second point was. I finally remembered it. Literally, the next FTO class, after Jason got hurt, had no idea who he was. How fucking And it was, was less that? than a month. He was still in the hospital. They're like, oh, yeah, I don't, I don't really know him, but you know, I'm, I'm here for his uh, end of watch. I was like, bro, get the fuck out of it, here. It just, uh, yeah. I, I was just, just that the way they worded it just rub me the way wrong way there there is a machine aspect of it right like oh absolutely absolutely um and if they so people from my experience people remember feeling and if they didn't have any emotional connection to something it's easy to forget you need to codify it in a way in a meaningful way to you yeah yeah no but it's it's sick dude it's um it's People who should remember don't, um, but there are those like us who do, and that's what's important. No, and I think also, too, 
this individual I'm not going to mention because I have far more respect for him than I do any of these other people he spoke to. He, he recently passed away and Kyle and I were talking that there's people who I think will be conflicted about attending this gentleman's funeral because he fucking hated them with a passion, but they will feel obligated because of their position and how, how disgusting of a human being do you have to be to feel obligated to attend a funeral that, you know, to a person who loathed you, as a human, like verbally, her fucking absolutely just, you know, hated you. And I think that's what happens is that we, 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 in administration, they put themselves in a different category than who you really are. Mm. You know what I mean? And one of the, the, the things I do now, I work really closely with a lot of police agencies across the state of Florida. And I can tell you some of these smaller backwoods, if you will, backwards, 50 man departments, 20 man departments are the close knit brotherhood of law enforcement that you would think it would be by nature. And I'm not saying you, you defend somebody when they do something indefensible. But what I am saying is that when you need to be there for somebody, John and Jeff, you know, John's getting a divorce. Fucking Jeff comes over with the trailer helps move. You know what I mean? Like you help your brother in need. You know, so social media, I mean, it is a blessing and a curse. Um, You know, and, a lot of us have been sucked into it, except for Nick. Yeah, fuck that uh-huh. shit. I'll do that. <laughs> but it's kind of like that. Like, you know, if you have 100,000 followers, do you really know those 100,000 followers? Or do you know the 20 that you deal with and, you know, converse with on a daily basis? I think that that is what's so important about small agencies. Like, it's easy to get lost in the shuffle in big places. No, it is. And I think, obviously, if you're at NYPD and you have, you know, 30,000 officers. Number. You, you have, yeah. And I don't mean that. Right, yet. but you I think have, I, f- it I feel be. like in NYPD, that's broken down into individual precincts. You would have. Which is like, like different departments. Yeah, departments. Exactly, you know what I mean? exactly. Yeah. You yeah. Know, and I, I would think so. But like I said, and I don't fucking care, is Daytona Beach police departments where Jason Rayner was at when he was shot and killed on Mm -hmm. or shot rather. Well, there's only two districts Mm -hmm. Two, Yeah. East and West. You know what I mean? So it's forgotten so quickly. It it is. And it's, it's fucking terrible. It's, it's, it's heartbreaking to me because I got some good friends that still work there and people that have been really, really disheartened by this, you know, and they understand that you're just a number, you know, you, you don't mean anything. And no matter what you do, it doesn't make a difference. No matter how hard you try, it doesn't matter. And I think that that message is really hitting home with law enforcement specifically, not just first responders in general, but law enforcement, because you can see the retention, the retirement, the, the recruitment, the, the early you know, people that are just leaving. Like I left them fucking, I'll figure something else out. Like mm-hmm. it got to the point where I was so dissatisfied and disgusted with what I was doing and the way that we, were just dismissive of individuals that it was, it shouldn't have been that way, you know? And I was just like, you know what? It's a good time for me to go. It's a, it's a really good time for me to get out and enjoy, you know, what I'm 35, I was 35 at the time I'm 36. Now I just didn't just enjoy my life, you know? And I think that too many people, they feel as though they have to, like, this is, this is their identity. You can't let this be your identity. That's so important. I feel like so many of us, and I, I had this conversation a couple times, like, I really feel like the whole George Floyd thing really fucked things up in a lot of ways, but it made guys like you, the three of us, take good at our jobs, good to the department, good to the communities we work for. We start taking a defensive act, right? Like, we're not this guy. We are not the guy on the news. So we started embracing the thin blue line mentality because we wanted to, like, perpetuate, like, no, we're not this, right? 
So then the thin blue line, the police mentality became our personality. Not us in this three, but I'm just saying in, in the in the career field as a whole. Yeah. And so we started w- bearing that weight on our shoulders and we were start like, no, I am going to be the poster boy for law enforcement. So you start doing that, you start putting yourself out in front. So you start dealing with all the bullshit that's been getting thrown at you. And until guys like the three of us, literally the three of us, start going, hold on a second. Why am I the one getting all this shit thrown at me? This is not, you know, and that I think that's what happened. I feel like things like Mike Brown, George Floyd all happen. The shit started getting thrown. We were proud of what we were doing. <laughs> Sorry. So no, you're good. Back um, school. So you you stood up and you're like, no, that's not me, because you were proud of what you signed up to do. Mm-hmm. But after a while, you went, hold on a second. Like I'm proud of what I signed up to do, but this is getting ridiculous. And that's where the the whole burnout and everything started eating at you. And now here we are, three people out of the job, and honestly, probably a job that had all this bullshit that we've been talking about hadn't happened. We'd still be in it. We'd still be rocking and rolling, and who knows where we would have been. Oh yeah. So I give you an example. So, and I'll tell you when I you can you can really determine that there's something wrong with the mindset of law enforcement today, or at least at least whenever you have internal um, toxicity within a department. So, um, incident unfolded. Details are really insignificant. Doesn't matter. Long story short, it was like the icing on the cake. Like it was the proverbial end of the road for me. I said, you know what? Fuck this shit. I'm out. Right. So I was having lunch with a, a couple friends of mine at lunch one day. And he said, dude, you are fuck. You got the biggest fucking balls. Ever. I said, why is that? He said, cause they said they're going to use you as their punching back. Like they do everybody. And you said, fuck you. No, not, not today. And you left. He said, that's it. Like, I'm not going to, you're not going to fucking demote me. You're not going to transfer me. You're not going to shame me. You're not going to try to use me as an example. He said, fuck you, dude. There's a million other jobs in the world. I just fucking straight up left. He said, that is so ballsy for you to do that. I'm thinking to myself, is it really though? Like, is that really all that unfair? It, where It's not common. Like, that's you know, the thing. No, th- the problem is not a common, but it shouldn't be. So if you're working, if you're a fucking accountant and you're not being appreciated, you leave Bob's accountant firm. You, go <laughs> yep, you know yep. what I mean? Like if you're a plumber and your boss is a dick, you're like, no, fuck this guy. I make him a pile of money. Well, I'll do back, myself. That backs into the whole thing. I, we've talked about that link before with the uh, false illusions of, of retirement. It's like, oh, we, we have the trap because you're in our program, you know, for a retirement. Um, but Charlie, to your point, I think <laughs> – I think what really had has happened is there's been a lot of shit forever, right? That didn't start mm-hmm. with Mike Brown, George Floyd. I mean, whatever. Go back to as far as you want in time. What changed, I think, was the amount of people willing to deal with the bullshit and the acceptance of it. Because there's a lot of people, as we all know, they're, they're like, nope, hands-off approach, right? Which people like us were like, nope, we're still what we signed up for, and that's that was that was part of my demise. Is yeah. that I'm here to put bad guys in jail. There's still the same amount of shit, but only a handful of people are carrying that load now. The problem is the people that were bending their will, like, okay, well, you know, we're not going to do this. And I give the example of there's a um, uh, low income, impoverished area that over here on the west side of the county where Kyle and I used to work in 
every fucking homicide leads back to this area. All the fucking drugs lead back to this area. All the stolen properties sold to the fucking drug. All of the problems come from this area. So you go in there, you fucking hit it. You hit it. You hit it. You hit it. You put bad guys in jail. You're chasing cars. You're flattening tires. You're putting fucking people in jail. You're making a difference. All of a sudden, why are you targeting us? Because this is where the this fucking is where the crime, crime is. Yeah, yeah. I don't create the crime. Yeah. I follow the I'm, crime I'm dots. And the I'm problem chasing, is uh, these pussy fucking administrations like the city that runs that area. Well, we didn't really tell them to go over here. Fuck you, you animals. Stop acting like savages. We won't have to come in here and uproot your lifestyle. Act like you have some decency. Stop breaking the law and do what you're fucking supposed to do. We won't do it because you know where we don't have it? The other side of fucking town. And we have just as many police over there doing just as many traffic stops. But the problem is they're not fleeing. They don't have drugs. They don't have warrants. Their cars are registered. The licenses are good. They don't have stolen Still property. They're not selling dope. There, they're not fucking shooting there. at it. Like all of the bad shit that cops deal with. 90% of the time, and I give that 10% because there are shitty fucking cops out yep. there. There's people that are Absolutely. crooked. But these motherfuckers... I don't know if it's 10%, but yeah. Either way, I don't give a fuck what the statistic is. My point is there are people that just because you're flapping your fucking gums, making all the racket, doesn't mean you should get to bend your will. But these politicians do. Mm-hmm. They would never let me be a police chief anywhere because during my fucking interview, you know what good. I would tell them? If you want somebody to do what this council wants, hire somebody else. If you want somebody to put bad guys in jail and make sure you're fucking safe in your bed at night, you hire me because I want fucking people that's going to go out there, serve this community, make sure you're safe. They're going to do it diligently. They're going to do it with respect. But at the end of the day, we ain't here to fucking we're not here about your feelings. We're here about fucking enforcing the law. Yeah. Politics are always going to be involved. Um, and I don't know a better solution. Right. Like even people say, like, oh, well, your police chief isn't elected official. Fuck. Yes, they are. Yeah, he is. He's elected by the oh, council. Yeah. However, oh, you look yeah. at the city is, council. Alexa. Yeah, his name ain't on the ballot, but they're elected. You know, and there is that political component to law enforcement, which shouldn't be. I don't know a a way that you can deviate from that and make it not. Um, You're always going to have it. No, but how many times have you had the, oh, we got to go here because the mayor's sister's out of town. Or, you know what I mean? Like, or or his his mom's had speeders on the street and she lives on a street with two houses, hers and someone. Like this is a waste of resources. Yeah. Oh, they're speeding on the street, and you find out, like, obviously, it's only from from that. Right? Area. Whose street is it? Yeah. So, <laughs> in, in uh, I like to call I call him a friend of mine. I, I would like to think him and I are friends. He was actually my boss when I got promoted, and then he was my boss when I got promoted again. And he told me, he said, Nick, I'll be honest with you, you are the best employee, but you are the fucking worst employee I've ever had. You question everything. You do whatever you think is right. You're not going to fucking do whatever I tell you unless I clarify why it's being done. You have to know what you're doing is going to align with your values. and It's very difficult to manage you. I said, well, I appreciate that. At least you know where I stand. Like, I'm not here to, I'm not a yes man. You know what I mean? See, my response would have been, cool, why is that a problem? Yeah, but you know what I mean? But but at the end of the day, like I get, he's like, you know, but he's like, I I appreciate that, but you're like the most difficult person to manage because yeah. of that. But hey, because difficult's cool. No, but I wouldn't also let him shit on my people. That's right. You know what I mean? And I think that's again part of part of the reasons I left is if people are so willing to shit on your men, then are they really your men? No, because you're next. You know what I mean? That's exactly what it was. You know what I mean? If we can't shit on them, we'll shit on you. Right. Shit no, on me all you want. And if you're going to back them up, and you're so that means you take the heat. Yep. You stepped into the pilot seat. You know. And I never. I didn't mind doing it. You know, mm-hmm. but. Neither here nor there, but either way, like I said, I think where we where we we really ventured off at the point, but understanding how to deal with all of the bullshit that we've been talking about, yeah, 
understanding to deal, how to deal with all of that is what's very, very difficult for some people. They do it in unhealthy ways, whether it's excessive drinking, gambling, you know, uh, I even use it, you know, the thing of, um, uh, poor sleeping habits, poor eating habits. Yeah. And, and they and all, exercise. they're all coinciding, right? Yeah, they because they absolutely because if you're, if you're not eating or, or drinking or whatever, right, you're not going to sleep right. If, or if let's say like one of my addictions, I'll be flat out honest was working overtime. Mm. I loved working overtime, loving that money. That me, um, buddy. yeah. So you do that and then, you know, home suffers, your sleep suffers, all those things. Eat it. Like it, it's all cyclical. It all ties in together. And you're right. If you're not taking care of each other and what going back way back, I feel like it was like a half hour ago or an hour ago that we were talking about it. But like, yes, talking is one thing. Physical activity is another thing. Like you guys were talking about things that like kind of calm you down or, you know, your version of therapy, like mowing the lawn to me, it's just like going back and forth on the, pu- on the push mower is enough to like, that's oh, all the terrible. only thing. No, it's not, I, I'll dude, tell you I got exactly like a, I'm going to nerd out for you in a second, but go ahead. On a push but, mower? No, no bad. Yep. <laughs> oh, God. But to me, like just two hands pushing, I can't touch my phone. I can't do anything. That is all I'm focusing on. To me, that's like a meditation almost to where it just like, calms me down all right go nerd out yeah total fucking nerd out we're changing a whole podcast and nerd out based on this go so it doesn't roll off the tongue unless you've been there but emdr therapy Uh um which is basically if you look up is a back and forth thing a repetitive motion back and forth it could be tossing you know a ball or fidget spinners or whatever right and Mowing the lawn in those repetitive back and forth motions mimics that. And for me, it sounds stupid, but just like you're saying, like I could throw a podcast in there back and forth, back and forth. That's yeah. why people pace. Right. And it, even like uh crocheting is one of them. Cause it's the same motion again yeah. and again and again. It, yeah. That repetitive back and forth, like literally tossing a stress ball between your hands. Um, does it mimics the exact same thing and not Jay Owen. No, I was, uh, I was air banging. No, okay. You can't tell I mean, that's that all could, I got for movement, by the could way. Be too. I haven't brought that up with my therapist yet, but that could definitely we be keep true. it down. Right. Is your, there was a guy or girl? Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's 2022, man. Yeah. It could be anything. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not losing that demographic. Yeah. Fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> fuck your therapist. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> these are the true stories that's it no but I, I i feel like you're absolutely right you know it's just to me it takes all the guesswork out of life when i'm doing like when i'm mowing the lawn because i'm literally just going back and forth no surprises that's why some people this is true this is a scientific fact that's why some people uh, especially people that deal with anxiety and depression they will gravitate towards TV or music that they used to watch when they were a kid. That's mm-hmm. why friends is so big yep. is because they would watch it back in the nineties when it was big, because there's no surprises. You know how the show's going to end. They can just relax literally, yeah. you know? So when you put on like the new show on Netflix, you never know what's going to happen, but friends, you know exactly what's going to happen at the end of that 30 minutes. And it's relaxing to people. Same thing with mowing the lawn or things like that. Like there's no surprise outcomes and you can, your brain basically goes numb. It shuts off for a second. And that's where, that's why when you shower, you have your best ideas because you're doing repetitive motion stuff. You know, what's going on to so your brain actually has time to like relax and do things it's supposed to do like think. And I find that the simple, uh, physical activity 
it's not as um, difficult or complicated like BJJ or going to work out, which is important too. Yes. But those simple physical activities, they have a very important therapeutic method to them as well. You know, for some people, again, other people that wouldn't work for them, but for some people I, it is. I it call does. that mindless entertainment. Yeah. Um, and it is necessary. My wife hates it. Like my mindless entertainment is putting on the TV and not even watching a football game, just having some old, you know, golf show going, you know, some old dad shit. Right. And just having it on and it's in the background because I'm playing on my phone or, you know, on the computer or whatever. You guys bring all this up. And I think about this, like I tell you, I I enjoy deer hunting, but that's not it. But you know where I find the most relaxation. It's going to sound weird. Like, I'm an individual where I love being super stressed. Like I love a thousand things to do. I, you know, a hundred things on my calendar, busy. I enjoy the, okay, I'm done for the day. That to me is addicting. Like where some people like the decompression, the the, the lack to me, it's the, the constant grind, the go, the go, the go, the go. I am addicted. I think as far as stress release wise is, that end of the day where it's like, all right, I got everything done. Accomplished. It does. And I That's know, what so like your paper, does, right? I literally every day, just like I did when I was at work, I write down everything I do on a piece of paper. Even if it's That's check dangerous. email, check email, call so-and-so, you know, pick up kids. I do it and I check it off as I go. Like I love I having that organization, you know, yeah. and that's, that's a stress reliever for me is the, the, the 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 finality of something right and that's why some people really love to do lists yeah because when they check things off it's yep. just like if, oh, if i don't like vacations lists, i can't vacation i can't relax i'm not a relaxer no, no if it wasn't for lists i would never have even thought about doing 75 hard what about was- like you said like you're not a relaxer mm-hmm. but what if like let's say you go on vacation you have an itinerary for everything you're going to do, right? Mm-hmm. So that way when you do it, it's like, man, I accomplished something. No, see, that. I, no that seems obligatory. So me. so to me, we don't do vacations. My family, we don't. So, And I, I know it sounds strange, but if we were, they're like two-day vacation, three-day. Like I, I'm a mission-oriented, objective checking off. Like we have to get this done because right. everything that I – it's – and it's not a, it's not a negative thing, but I'm very business oriented, even in my personal life. You know, and I so tell is that because the even though it's a checklist, those things aren't productive exactly, for your mission. It's exactly in my mission in life. So my end goal, my purpose every day is to be better personally, professionally, or financially. Yeah. And everything about a vacation or a relaxation is the opposite of those three goals. Pause. They, they are, they are a, they are a hindrance of me furthering myself. And, mm-hmm. um, my wife, she's good. Like she's, she can relax. She can do it. She can go sit at the beach. I would rather sit bare ass and fire ass than go sit on the beach. Like it is the most mundane, boring, pointless thing I've ever done in my life. That's what now, a lot of people think about fishing. You know what I mean? Like, see, you know what I mean? Like True, I, to me fair, if, or golf or yeah, whatever, golf. you know, all, yeah. all sports that I do. Like, but to me, I'm so focused on doing like, no matter what Something. it is, I feel like I'm, I, I want to be better than the next person. Like, mm-hmm. I don't care if it's jerking off. Like, I feel like I can jerk you off better than you can. You've been doing it for 35 years. Like <laughs> I, I just want I'll to be you. better. Like, but that's a focus of me. Like where I'm just so focused on being 
better financially, personally, professionally, spiritually, yeah, emotionally. I'm not, yeah. I'm not I, jerking I, you off either, by the way, if you ask. No, you will. Unless for, you say please. Yeah, well, not only that, they're appropriate amount of money <laughs> there but you know i do want to i, I want to point out though it's it's an interesting juxtaposition because the three of us sitting here having this conversation and i want to point this out to people listening two three individual or two three we are three completely different inter- individuals yeah yeah <laughs> sometimes Ma- math and whiskey doesn't work so uh three individuals three completely different coping mechanisms lifestyles everything to prove that one does not work for the others 100%. and one is not the set end goal. Like the mm-hmm. way, the way he just described, not for me. Yeah. It may be for Kyle. It may be, you know, but it doesn't matter. Like there's no rhyme or reason. You find what works and you go for it. Um, or maybe it's a mix of all three of our, you know, our lifestyles. And that's, that's your thing. And I feel like that's so important because some people will listen to it and be like, man, if I don't live life the way that Kyle's doing it or the way right. 10 yeah. doing it or whatever, that then I'm doing it wrong. No, that's not how yeah, it works. Or, it's or, right for you, right? Or people listen to Joe Rogan or Jocko and they go, "I have to do this." No, you don't. You yeah. find what works for you, and then you adopt it to your that's life. Hard, you know. That's really hard, um, and I struggled with that for a long time myself. Finding what worked for me, um, because I kept following people, and I'm like, I've got to follow their plan. Like they have a plan, they have a checklist. Like we just went over, yeah. right? And it's like, well, fuck, that didn't work for me. I'm broken. And it, no, I just had to find a different path. So on a, on a closely related yet oddly different note, financially, financial planning, right? Same thing. So, yeah. so it's Kyle for years has been a very, very big believer in Dave Ramsey's program and so on and so forth. And I remember him and I had this discussion. I'm talking about fucking eight, 10 years ago. At least. And I told Kyle, like he, you know, all the stuff you got to do this. I said, I, I appreciate that Kyle. But if I follow this, if I have 20 fucking dollars over at the end of the month, that's all there is. There's no way I'm investing in saving. Like your situation is different from my situation. Like yeah. your circumstances in your world and your bills and your life is different than mine. I think that's what people need to realize that you take what's good and what works from you from whatever it is. Like you said, even like with any of these, you know, anything, whether it's TV or podcast or music, you take what works from you and you take the best of it and you apply it to your life. If there, you get yeah. anything from our show, or your show, you take the best of what makes you better, and that's what you keep. You know what I mean? doesn't yeah, mean everything like else is wrong. Picking up a nugget, right? Mm-hmm. Like, hey, damn, this one's not going to fit for me. Throw it out. Cool. See the next one. That one works. Put it in your toolbox. That's it. You know, and then you kind of conglomerate and build your own product at right. the end of the day, you know? And I think that's that's one thing that I've been successful doing, at least in a relationship-wise, like with my wife. Her and I, if we have a problem, like we're having a, this is literally what we do. We sit down at a table. The kids go to my mom's, her mom's, wherever. And we talk, like I told her years ago, when we first got together, this is a business. The business we're in is love. If -hmm. we can't talk like a board meeting, we can't talk through our problems, screaming, arguing, fighting, slamming the door, not talking, leaving, leaving in silence, not talking to each other before we go to bed. That's unproductive. So if we want to be productive in this relationship, this is what works for us, you know what I mean? Where some people are better off with a scream, fight, anger, bang. You know, we're now we're back to normal. But right. for us, I think that's that's what what was it worth? Fucking anger, bang. Yeah, well, you got to work it in. I think that was a word loud. of the day, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know that one is. You fight just anyways. 
There's a there's a Bruce Lee quote. I've said it a couple of times. I'm going to add. Tell me, he says anger bang. <laughs> he does not. He does not. He <laughs> says. Uh, Good reason he's dead. Something, something, <laughs> he says, absorb what is useful, discard what is not, add what is uniquely your own. That's right. And so that's the that's the anger bang, right? That's, yeah, I, I assume that's what he meant. Yeah, that's yeah. what he meant. <laughs> quote, so, quote. <laughs> I mean, I think that everything we're talking about though kind of goes off that principle is like what's going to work for one of you is not going to work for the the others. And I think that's the important thing. And yeah. that's the, you know, when you think about the paramilitary organization, that's what's kind of bred out of you in the Academy is like the individuality. There's no and, uniformity. Like how, how can, exactly. how can you be okay fishing for your release when I do it? You know, you got to realize you got to be sympathetic to somebody else's plight and how they deal with things. To relate this to first responder stuff, when I was an FTO and um, I was kind of known as like, I hated it because I was the only person who really documented at the time. Like, hey, this person is like, my mom's a nice lady, but she's not a cop. Yeah. That's this person. Um, <laughs> it, it sucks. But I was, even those, even those people, I would talk to them. And I said, hey. Have you ever been in a relationship before? Yeah. You know, when you broke up or whatever happened, I was like, that one wasn't for you. That doesn't mean policing's not for you. Here might not be for you at this. Or time. right now. Or right now. And they've gone on. Dude, I've got people like that that are captains and police chiefs and everything else. So, like, I kind of want to iterate that even if you're at a place and you don't like it, there could be, the grass could be greener a little bit on the other side. There, It is a relationship. Mm -hmm, for sure. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and I think people lose sight of that because it's like, hey, these people gave me a chance and they feel committed and, you know, beholden to. And I'm like, no, no, no. Not to steal your thunder too, but um, I've also seen you go through the McDonald's drive through and get an application for a trainee too. I have done that. <laughs> it's relative. <laughs> I, I do remember that yeah. when we were working one night. It's a sliding scale, man. <laughs> it, it is relative. That has actually happened. It was a you suck. Game, get better. Um, but they were paying the fucking same as he was making. So. Yeah, no, this is true. This is definitely fucking true. <laughs> that definitely happened. No, yeah, I remember that clear as fucking day. But we, we have to we have to be there better for each other, Charlie. You know, what I mean, I think at the end of the day, we have to understand the bigger impact that these jobs take on people. Police, fire, EMS, nursing—you know—all of these things that they have a huge, huge influence on their mental state. You know, and that's one thing that Kyle and I talk about is not even on the show, but just in general, like how your mental health is so important in mm -hmm. understanding how your occupation can influence that. And do not let your job ruin your mental health. If you're in a position, whether it's a job, an occupation or a career, and it is unhealthy for you, I, it's not worth it, man. You got to do yeah. something to be healthy. You know, I, I agree completely guys. I think, um, we really touched on a lot of points here that a lot of people probably aren't comfortable bringing up in public. And I really hope they should that, be. I, I agree. I really hope that this kind of, I'm not saying the down, table on your first day of FTO. Telling no, no. Wrong, then but... you're going to be out in the parking lot for an hour and a half, yeah. but definitely, you know, it's important to start bringing up and start keeping in your mind um, as you progress through your career. And if you are out of FTO, 
And even if you're in, but, you know, start bringing these conversations up in an appropriate way. Um, I think that's important. Yeah. And find those people that you can do that even if you don't feel comfortable. Like there, there is that trust. Like, hey, at the end of the day, like you as a person are the most important person in your life. Oh, right? for sure. So Absolutely. Your, your job, cool, dude. Especially like in public service, like you're, <laughs> you're going to be making just about minimum wage the whole time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, unless like, you live in like New York or California, they got, they get paid pretty okay. Well, but I don't want to pay gotta... their shit either. So, I mean, right. it's relative. We're back. <laughs> cost the living adjustment, yeah. Right. Yeah, that's fair. But, well, John, um, thank you coming on for today. You know, I definitely appreciate it. So if you want to, if you want to plug your show, we're going to, we're obviously going to plug yours on ours. You know, we're not going to tell you about it, but we'll definitely do it afterwards. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Kyle still sucks from us here at the Hero Out Podcast. I'm Nick. It costs for me shitty ass Kyle who don't want to sign us out of here. Charlie, thank you very much for coming on today. For everybody out there, y'all be safe. And this is the 10A Podcast. Go check us out. 10A Podcast on all the streaming, YouTube, all that. And um, check us out at 108 underscore memes. And uh, everyone listen, stay tuned. We'll wrap this up. Kyle, Nick, thank you so much for your time. All right, man, you be good. Be safe. All right. Take care. Right, I'm back. What a, what an amazing conversation. I really can't say much besides that. Uh, really covered the full spectrum of emotion. There was humor. There was seriousness. You know, I feel like that's important. Now, to close out, there's a couple things I want to talk about real quick. And I know, you know, you just listened to our show for almost two hours now. And you guys got shit to do, right? I mean, I kind of wonder sometimes how long it takes people to listen to a given episode. I drive about 40 minutes to work every day. That's like the average, depending on traffic. And I know that's not normal. I know a lot of people probably live in their jurisdiction. I don't know if people actually listen while on duty. Anyway, however many times it took you to listen to this episode today, I appreciate it. And I just want to hold your attention for just a little bit more. Two things that I really want to focus on before we say adieu. The first one is everyone is a villain in someone's story. Whether those are well-earned titles or they are not. Unfortunately, you got to look at the whole story. And a lot of times we don't get the full story. We get people's interpretation of the story of the facts. So that being said... There are people that are painted out to be the villain publicly, 
And we don't know the whole story. We don't know if there was some kind of power struggle or not. And, you know, yes, you can look at everything that is presented and you make a decision by that. Or maybe you go, maybe there's more to this. I'm just going to put that out there because, you know, you, you might be wondering things. The second part, the more important part, goes in line with our episode today, goes in line with what I was saying in the beginning, is I always talk about you got to focus on what you can control and don't stress the things you can't control. And then I sit in a podcast and I bitch for two hours about things that I can't control. But I can. And I think that's something that really needs to be understood is when I sit here and I do my podcast and I talk about changing the culture of law enforcement and, you you know, you might be thinking, dude, you just said focus on you. Well, yes, but also you need to facilitate the change that you want to see in the world as well. A true leader, and we talked about this when Tom Rizzo was on last year, is someone who has a sphere of influence, even if it's one person, and can inspire that person to make change. Now, obviously, you can be a you can be a Hitler, right? He was a leader. He had a sphere of influence. He led people to do things. Or you could take, you know, the the famous Spider-Man quote, "Great power comes great responsibility." And it all what it all comes down to what you want. You can lead an organization, and you could be good at doing that. But if you are leading them to do bad things or unethical things, now there are caveats to that obviously in a police organization they're never gonna just let you do egregious things right there's too many checks and balances but you can have absolute power again like a hitler or a stalin or whatever and just do bad things that being said so that was my disclaimer but the truth is i believe having this platform that was given to me by you know the people that have followed my page for four years or three into four years gives me the opportunity to speak to the masses and you know if people weren't listening to this podcast then I would shut up and I would just okay people don't give a shit what I have to say but obviously there is a there's a sect of people that do so I speak to them because I've seen so much more from the outside looking in than I ever did when I was an active duty police officer now still work for an agency but I see things in a different light things don't affect me directly as much as they used to i see the micromanaging supervisor and i go why and i talk to people who are being micromanaged and they go i don't know it's just how we've always done it i look at critical incident debriefs and i go why did we do it this way and they go i don't know it's just how we've always done it i look at leadership that doesn't plan ahead of a major event And I go, well, why didn't we do this? And they hit me back with, I don't know. It's just how we've always done it. That is a broken process. That being said, having seen this, you know, and I I get a lot of shit for no longer being a cop, right? But I look at things and I go, actually, you know, my resume in seven and a half years in law enforcement in general is more expansive, is, is touched more areas of the field than most people do in 10 plus years. Now, maybe, maybe 20 something, you know, but I'd say 10 years, people in 10 years have not done everything I've done. I've done everything from now dispatch, prisoner transport, um, 
you know, civilian service. I've done patrol, detective, crime scene, peer support. And that's not me putting a feather, feather in my cap. I'm saying I've diversified enough to see how different things affect different things. All that being said, I want it to be understood that I'm not bitching. I mean, I am. And that's okay. I'm going to talk about that in a second. But I'm showing the issues. I am putting a highlighter on things that are wrong. When I first started the show, I was more focused on getting to know personalities, getting to know people. I had fun talking to people about things that, you know, were either funny, interesting, sometimes heartfelt. Um, but there was that get to know you factor. Now we're taking the entire establishment and we're shaking the shit out of it because I've seen it. I've seen the good. I've seen the bad and I've seen the really ugly. So now I'm taking that, that situation and I'm shaking the shit out of it. And if you guys are going to be here for the ride, I really appreciate it because, you know, we're going to do about 40 episodes this season and we are only on episode eight. It's going to get, it's going to get good, right? I care about a few things in this world. Obviously my family, my loved ones, that's paramount. That's number one. Another one though is making sure that people are fulfilled and happy in their life and nobody feels the need feels the desperation to take their own life. And I've seen what a toxic agency and poor leadership can do and drive someone to be at that last point. So that being said, for the next 30 something episodes, get ready to shake some trees. We're going to have some fun. We're going to have some lighthearted episodes next week. We have a, uh, we have a episode talking about couples and, and the relationships between, you know, Someone who's a cop and someone who's not a cop and how that works and how it doesn't work and things like that. We're going to have lighthearted episodes. We're going to get serious with episodes and we're going to have everything in between, right? But this episode, I want to say, I don't even want to say it was the first shot because it wasn't. But we're really going to start going with that. All that being said, the bitching and the venting, right, that I alluded to moments ago is therapy also, right? And we said in the interview, sitting down with someone and talking about things that are bothering you, that's therapy. And if we just happen to do it with microphones recording, cool. Then you guys get to hear it. And if just you listening goes, yes, I feel that too, that's a validation. That means that your issue is not your issue. It's a bigger issue. And we're, like I said, we're going to put the highlighter to these issues and we're going to start holding law enforcement leaders accountable and we are going to make the job great again. Make policing great again. That being said, guys, next week, like I said, uh, Monday is going to be Punk Rock Cops Goes to the Movies. That's going to be fun. Just enjoy the hell out of that. The next episode is going to be Hard to Love with my good friend Jenna Romano. And then Amy and uh, Bo. Sorry, I forgot his name for a second. I wanted to call him Zeke. I don't know why. Anyway, Amy and Bo, they're from South Florida. They are a married couple, been married for quite some time. And uh, Bo is a sergeant. Amy is not even a police officer. And it's, it's good information. And we are just going to keep rip-roaring. That's going to be our first episode of December. And December, we've got a lot planned for you guys. I can't wait. Some of my favorite interviews that we've done to date are coming to you. Including my good friend Aaron Lohman, the hum- huge fat loser. Adam from the site Police Posts. And a very special Not Safe for Work interview with Destiny Morris. And we're going to talk all about sex and doing the nasty. And how you can have a better relationship. Anyway, guys, go check out the merch store. Check us out on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, um, True Social, The Pony Express, Your Sister's Ass. 
That's a Vic DiBattetto joke. Shout out to him. Maybe he'll be on here one day. Until next time, friends, take care of each other. Stay safe. Let's go shake some trees. 10-8, out. Slow down. You've got to slow down and take it easy. Flowing fast and your heart starts to pound Yeah, you've been shaking the trees But no answers fall out Just birds, nests, and leaves You told that son of a bitch To get out of this place So you're punching his face You threw the telephone down When the bad news came And then it stuck around You got to make it stop Find a way to make that pressure drop So